Welcome to Sportsnet Today. My name is Chris Faber. Joining me here in studio, my co-host David Quadrelli filling in for Bic Nazar. I believe he's going to be joining later on in the People Show today. But we're here. Some live sports talk to get you preview for the Vancouver Canucks facing off against the Anaheim Ducks back in action. It's an exciting time, Quad. It's the last time the Vancouver Canucks played a game. December 16th. Feels like ages ago, doesn't it? You had none of your Christmas shopping done by December 16th. Absolutely, I did. November, actually, I finished it. November 28th was my last day. Actually, December 23rd, I went on a little bit of a spree. But most of it was done by November. What was the first What was the first gift you got then? What was the first, like your mom? Do you go shopping for your mom first? Is that the first Christmas gift you want to go with? Yes, that is actually the first thing I bought. That was the first thing I got. I got her a Bluetooth keyboard. So, oh, wow. shout out to my mom. Nice. What does your mom need a Bluetooth keyboard for? She's typing her across iPad. the way. Yeah, for oh, her iPad. iPad. Okay. So it'll change from your iPad to your phone. It's pretty cool. Although I'm sure she's just going to use it for her iPad. It's a little too much for it to switch between devices. She's not the most tech savvy person, okay, but well, she, you know, that's she gets a it. Good little gift, little Apple iPad. Give her the keyboard. It's a good little mix. We're uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously, I mean, at this point right now, we're seeing a few COVID cases with Anaheim and the Ducks organization, but. Nothing with the Canucks. We haven't heard anything bad yet. We're going to talk to Irf Gaffar at 12.30 to give us an update on that. He will have the latest to see if there's anything going on with the Canucks and any COVID cases. Uh, we're also going to be joined by Alexa Potak at 1.30. She's going to talk about the World Juniors after Canada with an absolute shellacking last night of the Austrian team. 11-2, Connor Bedard with the four goals. A great performance by him. So we'll get to a little bit of World Juniors talk with Alexa as well. Alexa covers um, prospects in Sweden. She likes to talk about a lot of draft prospects in Sweden. She covers the SHL. So we're going to talk about a couple of Canucks prospects, Linus Carlson being one, uh, Lucas Forcell being the other. So we'll chat a little bit about that with Alexa. And then iMac, the triple threat. He's going to join us at two o'clock. He's in a studio with Murph in Toronto tonight. They're over, uh, not down in California on the road trip, but quads quite the jump right back into action for the Vancouver Canucks. Not only are they getting into it tonight against the Anaheim Ducks, but a back to back playing another California team in the LA Kings tomorrow night. So this is no uh, slow warm-up back into play. They are getting straight into it. You better hope that they were practicing hard. And I know you were out at practice the last couple days. It's going to be interesting to see them hop back into it. And I just I find it interesting. Like I know the schedules are being moved around and everything, and it, it, especially with COVID, we're going to see some, some postponements, some games probably fill in in March as well. But this is strange, jumping right back into a back-to-back after not playing since, like we said, December 16th. That's 12 days of no game action. So they'll get it started tonight in Anaheim. Yeah, and the last time you and I had a show on this very radio station, we talked about Bruce Boudreaux's minicamp, and obviously that was before the 23rd, that was before the league-wide shutdown. So what we were looking for was, okay, what are they working on in this time? Because when Bruce Boudreaux got here, he was saying things like, yeah, there's a lot we have to learn, and there's a lot I have to teach these guys still, and they're still making some mistakes, but for the most part, we're playing the brand of hockey I want to see. They're working on things, and it's all going to come slowly but surely, and I think that mini camp that we were talking about before the break, I actually looked to the last three days and say they practiced for the last three days. Like, they did not have an off day once they got back from that Christmas break. Like, on the 26th, Boxing Day, the league told teams that they couldn't resume team activities until 2 p.m. That was to allow testing and all that sort of stuff, and the Canucks were practicing at 2 p.m. Like, they had a practice at 2. They wasted no time getting back on the ice, and they practiced every day after that, right up until today when they had to leave for Anaheim. And they had a morning skate in Anaheim today. So typically what we see with NHL coaches and NHL teams is if they practice three days in a row, which they usually wouldn't, we would see them not have a morning skate. But 
that's what we saw here. And it's, it's like you had a seven day break or however long it actually was. It was like, I think it actually came out to be four days, but for the Canucks, they've had a longer break than most because of not playing since the 16th, because of their positive cases. You had that break. Now let's ramp it up. And momentum is kind of the thing that gets thrown around a lot. The word that gets thrown around a lot when a team is on a six game winning streak, Chris and GT Miller yesterday said like, it's not really momentum anymore. It's more so we have to make sure that we don't take our foot off the gas pedal. But it's not momentum because it was so long ago that you got that sixth win, right? So it's not necessarily momentum, but the Canucks are trying their best to be prepared for this game. And I think that's reflected in the practice schedule and having a morning skate today. They're going to have to be ready to go tonight against Anaheim. I think having momentum and keeping it over that break is still very possible for the Vancouver Canucks. So just because of the feeling around the team, right? Like this has to be a team that's pretty confident in themselves right now. We're seeing them have a lot of fun at practice. Even little things like I know that you saw uh, Pedersen and Huglander working after practice on some one-timers for, for Huglander to get his shot off from the right half wall. Little things like that. I don't know. Like you were at practice more than I have been this year. So I'm curious, like, do you think we were seeing more little things after practice or little things during practice that are kind of helping out the team or look like they're showing a little bit of confidence compared to what it was with Travis Green as the coach? Uh, I don't know if I necessarily want to make the comparison between Boudreaux and Green. I don't think that's really has much to do with it. I do think, however, that we're seeing a different level with Elias Pettersson and the trust that he's being shown by Bruce Boudreaux and, and definitely a different philosophy from what we saw from Travis Green toward the end of his Canucks tenure and what we're seeing from Bruce Boudreaux now. Like Bruce Boudreaux talked about, look, when my top guys are slumping, we need to get them out there. We're not going to win without these guys playing at their best. And when he was a player, again, talking about Bruce Boudreaux here, when he was a player and he, he did say, yeah, it was, it was a little lower level sometimes, but when he was a player, he wanted to be put back out. He wanted to get out there and work through his issues. And the only way you're going to do that, again, according to Boudreaux, is by getting that ice time. And that's what we're seeing with Leas Pedersen. He's playing penalty kill. He's now playing power play. He's on PP1. That is all about getting him more ice time. And I wrote the article um, kind of outlining this at CanucksArmy.com. It's up there now. So, yeah, that's that's basically the philosophy is just play this guy a lot until he figures it out. And that's something that we really didn't see with Travis Green as the coach is little things like Pedersen getting up there and doing some penalty kill work. And you mentioned it, just getting the guy on the ice and having success, no matter if it be on the power play, be at 5-1-5 or now on the penalty kill as well. If you're having success on the ice, that's going to build into confidence. And I think that's what we're seeing with Elias Pedersen right now. But to me, like, you know, we threw out a poll the other day, Quads, on, on our podcast when we were putting it out there that we were curious who people were most excited to watch when they returned to play. Was it Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser? And, I mean, Besser's been great under Bruce Boudreaux, five goals, two assists. Quinn Hughes has been excellent as well with the six assists in the six games. Pedersen's the one who hasn't really cranked it up yet, but still, like, the polls were were heavy in Elias Pedersen's favor. Like, everybody wants to see Elias Pedersen keep playing under Bruce Boudreaux. Are you seeing him turn the corner that everyone talks about right now? Because I don't know if I've really seen – him like get into rhythm. I think that's the big thing with him is he needs to find his rhythm where pucks aren't bouncing off of his stick, where everything's hitting it nice and clean. Like I do think that there's still a lot of room that Pedersen needs to, I guess, improve on when you're talking about the way that he's like controlling pucks, still taking shots. Like he isn't firing a ton of shots. I know that I've mentioned this stat before when we've been hosting, but 14 shot attempts for Elias Pedersen in six games. You got to see more than that under Bruce Boudreaux. I think that's something that we got to see tonight. It'd be great. Like, I'm excited to see Pedersen play more games under Bruce Boudreaux, but I'm 
still waiting for like an actual shift like we've seen with the Brock Besser. How Brock Besser's game has completely changed under Bruce Boudreau. I want to see the same thing for Pedersen because, putting it frankly, Pedersen hasn't been good this season. There's definitely a lot more to give from him, and if we can see it under Boudreau, that's going to be a great turnaround for him. So I think we should have some higher expectations from just him having just a little bit of a turnaround like people are hoping for right now. Undoubtedly, and you talk about turning the corner, and I don't think he's turned that corner yet, but I think the reasonable expectation, I think the reasonable take on the situation is he's looked better under Boudreaux than he has at any other point during the season, and he's starting to show signs of turning the corner. And there were little flashes here and there earlier in the season, but I think we've seen those flashes on a more consistent basis now. Until he's putting up points the way that he was before, he hasn't turned the corner and returned to the form that we've seen him at before. And I think a big part of that is similar to what Brock Bester is doing to find success, and that's just shooting the puck and getting ice time. I have the full quote here from Boudreaux that I want to read. Uh, it's just when he was talking about the need to get Pedersen ice time, this is what he said. He said, in the past, for the most part, when he's playing his best hockey, the Vancouver Canucks are playing their best hockey. The last few games he played before I got here, there was a lot in the 13-minute range, and I think he's a guy that can play 18, 19 to 20 minutes a game. We've got to find ways to get him on the ice a bit more, and power play and penalty kill are two ways. I want him to feel important because he's vital to this team. He's bang on with that. Yeah, absolutely bang on with that. And we're getting some reaction to the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. That's where you can hit us up, and uh, we'll read some text on air as well. Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. So 650-650 is where you can shoot us a text. And Quads, I guess we'll get started with this one. Uh, unsigned, so people, please sign your text. What are the Canucks practices now compared to what they were with Travis? Do you see much of a difference? I... From what I've seen, like, I found it interesting that there wasn't any line rushes. I think that was something that we saw every single practice with Travis Green. Didn't see that the other day, just yesterday at practice with the Canucks. What other differences are you noticing from Bruce Boudreaux practice compared to a Travis Green practice? Honestly, you don't really notice too, too much. Like, it's an NHL practice. There's not crazy differences, but you are seeing little things. Like, you're seeing... Brad Shaw work with the defensemen on flipping the puck out of their zone and all of the defensemen coming out in media and saying that's not going to be something we do and then it's something they do in all those games that succeeded that practice. So you're seeing those little things and I think you're just seeing more kind of, I don't want to use the word structure because I'm not trying to say Travis Green's practices were disorganized, but you're seeing things where you can see where Boudreaux's trying to change things. Like, for example, one thing that he talked about with his neutral zone forecheck is we want to be stopping guys in front of the red line rather than behind it. Because if you're behind it, they can cross the red line and they can just dump the puck in and then you have to break the puck out of your own zone, which isn't necessarily a strong suit of the Vancouver Canucks. So he's talking about defending ahead of the head of the red line. You're seeing that in practices. You're seeing set drills on that. You're seeing Bradshaw work with defensemen on batting down pucks at the red line and not letting teams break out and stopping pucks at the blue line and, and the opposing blue line, of course, I'm talking about here. So, That's where I want to jump in here because yeah. what I've seen is that the assistant coaches are getting a lot more involved. I think maybe we're just hearing that as kind of like what media has been reporting. Is that something that's actually happening on the ice? Are you seeing Scott Walker get involved? Are you seeing, it seems like Brad Shaw's the one who seems to have a much bigger role than he did perhaps with Travis Green compared to what we see now with Bruce Boudreaux. I think Brad Shaw's role under Travis Green was more to be an advisor and just pick his brain on things and kind of influence decisions and everything like that just to be an extra voice and obviously now he's running the defense so it yes it is a different role but I don't want to say that Bruce Boudreaux is is more hands-off than Travis Green was but 
Yesterday at practice, I don't know if this is because his feet were sore, but Bruce Boudreaux was standing on the bench and the special teams were just out working and, and Boudreaux wasn't on the ice. Not for the whole practice, but for like a pretty good chunk of practice, Bruce Boudreaux wasn't on the ice. He was just standing at the bench and he was watching, of course, and he was in- intently watching. It wasn't like he whipped out his phone and started doing cameos or something. He was he was on it. He was still watching. That's probably a premium one. That's like a, That's a $150 one. cameo. Yes, Canucks, Canucks practice cameo from Bruce Boudreaux. Could you imagine if that was something that happened and he just started doing cameos on the bench? Then it would be a problem, I think. It'd be fun, though. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, sorry, to-, to answer your question, yes. Uh, you are seeing a lot more involvement from the assistant coaches, I think. I think that's safe to say. Um, again, the special teams is just what I noticed yesterday because, like you said, there was no line rushes at practice, so we don't really know. Obviously, Matthew Highmore skated yesterday. Alex Chason never actually entered COVID protocol. He just had a rapid test that was negative, so he never uh, entered pr- COVID protocol because his PCR test came back uh, negative, so he was allowed to practice with the team. Everybody was on the ice yesterday. Brad Hunt, who I know we're going to talk about later. Uh, Luke Shen, everybody was on the ice yesterday, so that was good to see. Um, but yeah, as for the practice itself... A lot of involvement from the assistant coaches. I'm curious how that works with Jason King, right? Because this is a guy who was brought in to work on the power play this year and obviously was a part of Travis Green's kind of coaching tree. King is a guy who worked his way up from the AHL, has been in the Canucks organization for quite a while now. And I think that Boudreaux has some very smart veteran minds with him, with Brad Shaw and Scott Walker. And Jason King is kind of the young guy of the group. So to see the power play kind of shift and have some success, do you think that there's a lot more free reign being given to Jason King at this point? Or do you think it's Bruce Boudreaux having more of an influence on the power play? Because we talked to Bruce about this in, in media, or in the Zoom calls that we've had lately, since we're not able to get back in the room just yet. But with Bruce Boudreaux, it feels like there's a lot more changes happening. I'm wondering if, how much do you think of that is Jason King or how much do you think of that is Bruce Boudreaux to how the different different players in different spots on the power play. And we're going to kind of get into this one next year about Elias Pettersson as the net front guy. I found that a really interesting point. And Boudreaux seemed to have a lot of answers to that in the Zoom call that we asked him about. So is this more of a Boudreaux influence on the power play, do you think, we're seeing? I'm not trying to TMZ the Canucks, but based on the press conference yesterday and the media availability, I should say, with Bruce Boudreaux, he did use the word I when he was talking about putting Elias Pettersson at net front okay. and on the first power play unit, he used the word I. So, I, you know, that could very well be Jason King saying, hey, I think we should do this, and Boudreaux saying, wow, great idea, like I feel the same way. Or it could be Boudreaux telling Jason King, this is what we're going to do. I don't get that sense, though. And again, there's no way of knowing for sure at this point in time, but that's just something that I noticed was the word I was used in the press conference. So you guys can hit us up on the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650 is where you can hit us up there. We'll definitely get to some text here. We're getting a lot right now, which we appreciate. Uh, just want to reset the show. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Chris Faber and David Quadrelli here on Sportsnet 650. We've got an unsigned text here asking for a Travis Hamannick update. So as of the moment right now, still not activated from IR. So that could be something that comes in the next few hours here to play, but I wouldn't expect to see Travis Hamannick in the lineup tonight against Anaheim. No, I don't think that's going to be the case. And again, Matthew Highmore, same thing, did skate yesterday, but Bruce Boudreaux didn't offer much of an update. Just said he's progressing well. Uh, He's skating. He's going to have to talk to John Sanderson and figure out when Highmore is going to be ready for game action. Don't expect it to be tonight. And another thing of note here from the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line, 
unsigned text as well. The Canucks are all Demko, with Demko spelled incorrectly. Still right. Still Even if it's right. spelled incorrectly, still right. Like, this team without Thatcher Demko, it's not pretty. But goalie is part of the team, is he not? He absolutely is, and I think we're expecting to see Demko start tonight. With back-to-backs, we'll probably see Halak get a game in here potentially tomorrow against the LA Kings, or maybe vice versa. It depends how they kind of want to go about that with the goaltenders, but that's another thing that we need to see continue on with this Vancouver Canucks team. Probably the only constant that you've been happy with with the organization at this point could be Thatcher Demko, and that's something that Jim Rutherford and Bruce Boudreaux both talked about a lot when they came to this organization was how Thatcher Demko is a franchise goaltender, and we're really seeing that this year. We're seeing Demko really establish himself as a guy who should be in all-star games for the next few years, should be in the conversation when Team USA, if they ever get back to it, to the Olympics, is there, or World Cup situations, whatever happens, Thatcher Demko has really put a stamp on it this year. And to go through what the Canucks have gone through, to have that constant with Thatcher Demko, man, this this would be a really tough situation for this team if Thatcher Demko wasn't here right now. Undoubtedly. And also, Yaroslav Halak in this situation Imagine the situation if, and we, we know this story because Bruce Boudreau told it to us, Ian Clark told him that he wanted him to start that game against Columbus. He wanted to put Yarrow Halak in, and that was a gutsy move. That's what Boudreau called it, a gutsy move by Ian Clark. And that was because the Canucks had a back-to-back coming up, and they were going to have to use Halak, who hadn't played in a while, so they wanted to get him a game before that back-to-back. Imagine they don't make that call, and they just stick with the hot goaltender, they put Demko in, Demko presumably gets the win, but Halak doesn't play. Canucks win win tonight, whatever. They put Halak in tomorrow. After a COVID shutdown, and I'm not trying to say Ian Clark read the future and knew that a COVID shutdown was coming to the league, but the fact of the matter is, Yarrow Halak isn't completely cold as he would have been if he didn't get that game in Columbus. That's all I'm saying is that really does benefit him a lot because I think you're looking at almost a month or a month and a half since Halak had his last start before Columbus uh, if he goes in in that game against L.A. tomorrow night. And that's that's not a good thing for a goaltender to do is go in that cold. Yeah, and that's going to be a tough spot even right now. I mean, we talked about it, 12, ga- 12 days, complete 12 complete days without playing a game. Thatcher Demko just seems like the kind of guy who – are you worried at all going into this game? Like, it seems like Demko, when he's playing his best, he gets into a groove. He gets a few games where it takes him to warm up. He gets to a point where he's playing well, and then he just rides that hot streak. Like, it takes him a little bit to get going there. Do you think it's going to be all business back in, in the net tonight, or are you worried about the first, maybe first 10, 20 minutes of this game tonight with Thatcher Demko? I'm not worried, but I do think you will know what Thatcher Demko you're getting tonight in the first 10, 20 minutes. I find it really hard to believe that you're going to have any issues with him. Like, I don't think he's going to be the issue in the Canucks game, if that makes sense. I really do think that you've, you've got this franchise goaltender, you've got an elite goaltender. I really don't think you're going to see much uh, much to worry about in this game against Anaheim. Let's touch on the power play units a little bit. Um, before we get to some news here about the World Juniors, just kind of trying to get the, the deal on this right now, uh, as Chris Peters is reporting, potential cancellation for the rest of the World Juniors. We'll get to that in just a minute, but let's touch on the power play a little bit here because we saw Pedersen as the net front. We saw Horvat, Besser, and Miller in the kind of middle area there in that order with Horvat on the left side, Besser in the bumper, Miller on the right half wall, Quinn Hughes at the top as the defenseman on the point, and then the second power play unit. This is what I want to get into, quads. Brad Hunt skating on the second power play unit, a guy who Bruce Boudreaux obviously knows pretty well. Are you – like, I'm – Right now, with what we saw at practice over the week, I'm expecting Brad Hunt to play tonight on the third pairing, probably as a left-shot guy instead of Kyle Burrows, who's been there over the past little bit. Should 
Jeremiah expectations? Do you think that they're on with this? I'm yep. expecting Brad Hunt tonight. I'm expecting Brad Hunt on power play too because that's where he lined up when they were working on power plays yesterday. And I would even go as far to say that he's a placeholder for Jack Rathbone right now. I think when Jack Rathbone returns, it's going to be a battle between those two. And honestly, I think Bruce Boudreaux wants Brad Hunt to succeed because this is a guy he had in Minnesota. This is a guy he spoke glowingly about when he talked about him with Vancouver Media for the first time. And he said, like, he was good on our power play. He's a good power play guy. And I think for him to be effective, he's got to be getting power play time. And I think you're just kind of seeing that now. Like, he is on the half wall on power play, too. He's not going to get a ton of time. But Coquitlam Express legend Brad Hunt is going to be playing on power play, too. Actually, Burnaby Express legend Brad Hunt. That's right. Brad Hunt never played in Coquitlam. You are right. You are right about that. We should bring in Eddie Gregory, our producer today. Eddie, yes. how are you? Eddie Very is well, here you. for the Express corrections. That Absolutely. Is- <laughs> hey, I was there for it. I experienced it all. Wow. And Brad Hunt, RBC Cup champion with Burnaby in 2006. Did you like Burnaby or Coquitlam more? I like Coquitlam more because Coquitlam is my home. That's Burnaby fair. was a great experience, great rank. Bill Colpin did whatnot. Team won an RBC Cup there in their first year in 2006. It was wonderful, but I'm a Coquitlam guy. Coquitlam's my home. I love Coquitlam. That's fair. That's very fair. You going to count it? You're a Burnaby guy, Quads. Burnaby's your home. I, okay, so I grew up with the Burnaby Express because that's just how my timelines worked out, and they used to come visit our school. So I liked that part of it because I went to school in Burnaby, but I like Coquitlam more. I think the atmosphere in Coquitlam's better. You correct me if I'm wrong because I only remember I would Burnaby agree. as a kid. And I would agree, and I'm not saying this to be critical of our time in Burnaby, but... I love the rink that we play in in Coquitlam. It's brighter. It's more homey. Yes. This has a, a warmer feel to it. And Bill Copeland, it it just feels dark and yeah. very spacious. Yeah. I, I like Poirier a lot. I really yeah. do. Yeah. All right. As we're talking junior hockey here, we've got some unfortunate news uh, coming down the pipe right now. Daily's face-offs. Chris Peters first to report it. Quads, you better get on your call with your DFO guys here. Um, Chris Peters tweets out. Expecting an announcement soon that the 2022 IIHF World Junior Championships will be cancelled. That was also quote tweeted by Bob McKenzie. Uh, we're looking like we're going to see the World Juniors cancelled, which is very unfortunate. We've seen a, a few cases pop up here and there. I know media members around there as well have been getting sick. It's been a tough spot for Alberta and Edmonton and Red Deer, all those spots that are kind of hitting up with some hot spots of COVID right now. As far as we know, and, and we don't have an official announcement yet, but... Um, Bob McKenzie, pretty trustworthy source. Chris Peters as well, another very trustworthy source. Anyone Looks, from Daily Faceoff is trustworthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like we're not going to have any more World Juniors, which is really unfortunate, man. This is a tournament that I look forward to every year. Um, we're going to have Alexa Potak coming up as well. as unfortunate for her making her radio guest spot debut. Uh, but we're still going to spend some time chatting World Juniors and, and a little bit of Canucks prospects with her. But looks like the World Junior Championships will be canceled moving forward from here and we're expecting you know Canada was expected to play in a couple hours from now against Germany yeah and that's that's a tough blow I, I feel for those kids I feel for you know the people that traveled to go watch those games the people that travel to Edmonton they traveled to Edmonton to go watch those games and the people that you know travel to go cover it like our colleagues and stuff that that sucks for them and obviously we want everybody to stay safe but yeah that that's a really tough blow that the world juniors is uh going to be canceled Absolutely is. And, and man, we're just starting to see like Connor Bedard puts up the four goals last night. Uh, you've seen Matt Mishkov just be unreal as well. Canada had a really strong team watching Mason McTavish look like just a, a men against boys in that tournament. 
lot of a lot of real excitement behind that Canada team. And it's really unfortunate that we are going to see the World Juniors Council. As we've seen reported right now, nothing official just yet. Uh, we do have a text into the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line asking, when was Anaheim's last game played? Both teams looking a little uh, turkey jerky tonight. Are they going to be – is it going to be kind of a – a little bit of a mosh game. Like, are we going to see pucks all over the place, guys, not really falling into their systems? Because Anaheim, they haven't played since they played against the Arizona Coyotes uh, on the 17th of December, which they lost in overtime. Lost in overtime 6-5. to five. And last night, what was it, 8-7 to seven between the Coyotes and yeah, Sharks? Yeah, highest scoring game this season. Coyotes didn't pull through. Only one Louis Erickson assist in that game, which, too. Which I find that a great text, and that's from John um, as well, just hopping into it like, we saw a game last night where it was the highest scoring game of the season, and that's probably after a long break of teams not playing a lot of games. It feels like the only team that's played games recently has been Vegas. Like It just seems like Vegas is just rolling through, uh, as well as Tampa Bay getting into action last night against the Montreal Canadiens. But I, I could see that happening. I could see this game being a wide-open, back-and-forth game with a lot of offense and not a lot of defense. So we could see the Canucks' top players match up against Anaheim's top players and just kind of go back and forth about it. And I think you're feeling pretty confident about the Canucks in that point. I think so too. And we're going to preview the game on the other side. And, and as the show goes on, there's a text there from Mike from Calgary that said, the Flames are all Markstrom. And I, I had to lean over to read your screen. And I read that as, Mike from Calgary, the Flames are all at Metrotown. And I was like, what? Why are the Flames at Metrotown? You know Metrotown, the mall in Burnaby? Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 That's how I read it. But the one with that, they got that good pizza spot, right? No, that's Brentwood you're okay. thinking of. That's yeah. a good mall there, too. That is a good mall. Now, it, it wasn't before. But anyway, we'll, let's go to break. All right. Yeah, we'll get to break on the other side. We're going to see if we can get, I mean, it feels like pretty much confirmation right now when you see Chris Peters and Bob McKenzie tweeting about it. World Juniors look to be canceling the remainder of the tournament. Man, just sucks. Cause this is like a tournament that you really look forward to every year. It's just so much fun. And this, these first few days of it doesn't really feel like what the tournament's all about, right? Like once you get to semifinals and start to work your way from there, or even really any of the playoff uh, series, like the way that it goes into actual having real good, strong competition when the, when the, each of the pools cross over, it starts to get a lot more just better hockey with these junior players playing against each other. It's really unfortunate that we're not going to see uh, any more World Juniors moving forward. Like I said, nothing exactly reported from the IIHF just yet, but we got Bob McKenzie and Chris Peters tweeting about it. It looks like the World Juniors are going to be canceling the rest of their tournament. So that's unfortunate news. On the other side, we'll talk to Irv Kafar, see if uh, hopefully there's no more cancellations to talk about, specifically talking about tonight's game as the Vancouver Canucks are set to play the Anaheim Ducks at 7.30 at the Honda Center, right? Honda Center? Yes, down in, down that's in Anaheim? it. Yep. Okay, cool. We're going to talk to Earth on the other side uh, and hope for some good news because uh, we just ended this segment on some pretty bad news. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Chris Faber and David Quadrelli here live on Sportsnet 650. Sportsnet Today, Chris Faber, David Quadrelli here, filling in for Big Nazar. Producer Eddie Gregory having a little bit of his music be heard here. I think he did a good job. I think so. He gave you guys a swift kick in the teeth. I really liked it. Eddie had a touch. smirk on his face. I could, he was wearing his mask. He was wearing he his mask. Here, but I could tell there was a smirk under his face. We oh, said, yeah. can I choose the music? We said, all right, Eddie, but I could tell there I'm was a smirk. I'm going to give you a there. taste of what I do. <laughs> it's I good stuff. Did. It's good stuff. I, I like it. A little vintage disturb for you kids. There we you go. Kiddos. How old were you when that came out, Quads? What year did it come out, Eddie? 2002. Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Well, I think we're going to have a little bit more of that uh, that vibe going on with the show. Appreciate that. Eddie Gregory producing the show today. As uh, Quad's tough news coming down right now, of course, 
just just man like you feel for these kids that are at this this tournament whether it be the kids from austria that just got you know whooped yesterday 11 to 2 they're still getting an opportunity to play in this massive world junior championships folks if you haven't heard the news or you just tuned in right now the World Junior Championships have been cancelled. We're seeing that uh, the rights holder, TSN, has now tweeted that out as well. Bob McKenzie, Chris Peters, everybody's tweeting about it right now. So, unfortunately, no more World Juniors. Man, just a, a tough, tough situation moving forward. This is a tournament that brings a lot of people together. It, it's just, it's a, it's the thing that I know about. Uh, you know, it starts after Christmas. Christmas comes, and then World Juniors hits right after. And see the tournament cancelled, really unfortunate for the kids in there. Yeah, you just feel for them. There's not much else to say other than you feel for the kids, especially, like you said, the Austrian guys, the other guys that weren't, you know, maybe this is their last tournament as well, right? Like, I look at Mason McTavish, and other names are obviously in there as well. Even Yaroslav Askarov, I do feel for him, believe it or not. No way. I do. This is his last you tournament. You think he was going to turn it around? You think he was going to ride Russia right into the final gold Absolutely medal, Askarov? Not, but it would have given me more material if he kept playing. But I do feel for him that this is his last tournament. I, I genuinely do. Okay, fair enough. Hey, uh, yeah, I mean, just just feel for the kids of this one. Uh, we'll bring in our next guest here. <laughs> Not the greatest upbeat thing to bring him in, but Irv Gaffar joining us. Irv, how are you doing, man? Uh, tough situation here with the World Juniors being canceled, as we just learned. Yeah, man. Uh, honestly, like, initially, you just feel bad for for the, for the uh, for all the kids involved. I mean, a lot of them, this, will, this would be their first chance and maybe last chance to ever play in this tournament. Um... And I know a lot is made about what this tournament is and it's glorified and this, that, and the other, but some of the best games that I've been to and have covered have been World Junior Games. So it's, it's a fun tournament. It's, it's great for the kids. It really sucks, to be completely honest, that this is the way it kind of had to go. Um, and it, and it, things led up to this. And obviously when you saw the positive cases, you know, in the last couple of days and the forfeited games, you kind of saw the writing on the wall a little bit. But yeah, it's still, it's still a big shock when you actually see that it is canceled. We got a text here in the inbox. Does Bedard's four goal game still count in the record books? Yep. The game was played. Should be. I believe so as Does well. Does Mason McTavish get on a private jet and play for the Ducks tonight? Ooh. I love it. I, I, I hope so. I'd I love to see so. Mason McTavish. I don't, play. I, I don't know how they snuck 33 year old Mason McTavish into the World <laughs> Juniors in the first place, but uh, he should yeah, get him back to the NHL. I mean, that goal that he scored yesterday, the angle on that shot was, yeah. was so crazy because the, the Canadian forward's like right in front of the net with nobody around him when he makes a pass. Uh, what did you, I mean, I mean, looking back at the tournament now, now the ter- tournament's over, what were some of the moments that you did appreciate from this year's World Juniors, Irv? Well, the Bedard hat trick was special. Um, obviously. And then I, I think that when you look at it, just getting the tournament off in the climate that we're in and things are going on and the things that are happening is probably one of the things that you look at and say, okay, they, they, they did it. They were able to do it. And then, you know, having some fans in the building was obviously worth it as well. But I mean, look, we didn't even get out of the preliminary round. So what Canada played two games, <laughs> like they scored a lot of goals as they should against those two opponents. Um, Cole Perfetti was good, but you knew that was going to happen. Um, but beyond that, I think the biggest thing was just kind of getting the tournament off and, and going. And now it just sucks that, you know, a lot of these kids will not get to play the rest of it. Yeah, we're hoping to hear. I mean, we're hoping that that's the only cancellation we hear about as the Vancouver Canucks are set to get back into action against the Anaheim Ducks tonight. 730 puck drop. Earth, you feeling uh, you feeling like this game's on track to be played tonight? No worries at this. Yeah, point? I think they're going to play. I, I, I really do. Unless something crazy happens between now and obviously 4 or 5 p.m. when the players start arriving to the rink or, or once they get their tests back and results and things like that. Unless something goes completely sideways, this game should be played tonight at 7.30 over at the Honda Center. And 
you know what? It's it'll be fun, man. It's, we haven't had Canucks hockey. It seems like it's been months, but it's only been you know 13 days since since they last played. So um, I'm excited as anyone to get to see kind of where this team is going to be at after riding that. I've heard you guys mention talk about momentum and things like that, riding that momentum streak. But you know now the momentum's gone, and now they got to build their own. So it'll be interesting to see um, what type of team you're going to get tonight. Earth, last time we had you on the show, we did talk a lot about momentum, and we talked about that mini camp with Bruce Boudreau. Yep. The Canucks just practiced three days in a row and had morning skate today. I was talking earlier about how that's almost unprecedented to see from an NHL team. Do you think the Canucks are going to be ready to go tonight? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys didn't. These guys wanted to play when when their games were getting canceled and postponed and postponed. I mean, I, I think that when you look at it, and you you're in a new system and you're playing so well. The last thing you want to do is have something taken away from you that's completely against, completely out of your control, right? And I, and I think that that was the biggest thing. So these guys are ready. There's been a lot of video work as well. Um, you know, Bruce has been going around and, and meeting and getting to know a lot of a lot of his players. And I think that that's what this quote unquote mini camp was all about. It's about Bruce Brujo getting to know his team a little bit more and more. And I think that that's the biggest things. And you're going to see hopefully, you know, a team that we've seen the last little bit that you know, comes energized and comes ready to play and, 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 and is ready to go. But it also wouldn't shock me if both teams were a little bit slow out of the gate and it took a little while for each team to get their legs under them just because of the break that they had and, and things like that. But um, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you want to play this game and, and, and you better be up and ready for it. Absolutely. We're joined by Irf Gafar here from the fourth period. Joining us here on Sportsnet today. Irf, you're getting some love on the inbox. They're saying thank you for having Irf on so much better than CBS Radio. So congrats, Irf. You are much better than CBS Radio. I want to get that out uh, real quick, which is exciting news. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) Um, Aside from that, I want to just kind of look at the games that we saw last night. Some high-scoring games in the return to hockey. Is that what you're expecting tonight? Like, if you're a betting man, are you hammering the over in this one? We saw an 8 Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what is it, 30... Was it 33 goals in three games yesterday? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, you take the over. You for sure take the over. I mean, I'm just surprised the Coyotes scored that many goals. <laughs> they might not get seven for the rest of the year. Like, that <laughs> was, just, that was wild any, to see. Didn't get any from Louie either. I mean, how does that happen? Well, he got a point, though. Yeah. He did. He got an assist. It was a big assist. Yeah, big big apple for Louie. Um, yeah, no, look, I, I think that when there's a break and things happen, obviously things get loosened up a bit you know, bounces go the wrong way and your, your footing's a little off, your timing's a little off. I assume by next week you'll see a little bit more of lower scoring, but I'm taking it over in quite a few of the games today for sure. You're listening to Sportsnet 650, home of the Canucks. Uh, David Grigelli alongside Chris Faber, we're chatting with Irfan Gafar. Irf, Thatcher Demko, he's coming back tonight. He's had a bit of a break. This is something Chris brought up earlier and actually kind of piqued my interest. We were talking about how, you know, like to start the past two seasons, Demko's been a little bit slower. Do you have any worry at all that that's going to be the case for him tonight? Like, are we going to maybe go through a feeling out period with Thatcher Demko here where it takes him a little bit to get back to that level he was at when the Canucks shut down? Yeah, maybe. But look, I think that goes the same with every one of them, right? I think that when you don't play for a long time, um, you, you, you know, you tend to, you're sitting at home, you're literally relaxing, you're not doing much, right? There's not much you can do. It's not like you're going out and seeing your friends and skating and doing things like that. So I think for Thatcher Demko, he had three good days of practice. Um, obviously working alongside Ian Clark. But the thing is, is, he probably needed the rest, to be completely honest. Yeah. You know, there are games where they're giving up 35, 40 shots, right, on, ni- on night in and night out. And he's been the one that's had to bail them out. So when you think of it that way, this rest is probably a good thing for Thatcher Demko as they go down, to the, as they go down the stretch here. And they're going to play a lot of hockey. And they're going to need him 
to be at his absolute best if they're going to want to have any hope of, of, of making a run here over the next few months. And we saw Brad Hunt get some time on the second power play. Are you expecting yeah. to see Brad Hunt in the lineup tonight? Because that's kind of what we're working off of what we saw at practice yesterday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I know that obviously you know, there's not many people down there covering the morning skate and things like that, and they're not you know, skating in line rushes and, and, and things of that nature. But uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, different looks are different looks, right? And whatever Bruce Boudreaux wants to do, he's going to coach this team how he believes is the best way possible for them to get results. And if that means Brad Hunt is on power play too, then by all means, Bruce, have at it, right? And I think that that's one of the things when you're a head coach of the National Hockey League and, and you take over a team after, you know, they've, they've had some difficulty, which have, the Canucks have had, you try and do everything you can to try and make things better. And, you know, they have had a lot of success under Bruce Boudreaux. It's no surprise. We, we've seen it. We've all lived it. We've all heard the chants and T-shirts and everything. But, you know, now they've had a break, and now they've had time to adjust. And now other teams have, have had time to watch film on them over their six games under Bruce Boudreaux. So riding this momentum wave and riding, you know, the Bruce Boudreaux little wave here, I think it's gonna, it took a little bit of a hit. So now you're going to see what this team is really about here coming out of this break. And we've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of things on social media, and maybe it's just been a good job by the Canucks social group at capitalizing on the team being happy right now, but it seems like there's a lot of fun being had around the rink with these guys. We're seeing a lot of players stay out together, get extra work in after practice. I know before the actual break at Christmas time, the guys didn't want to come off the ice, it felt like. Over the past couple of weeks now, or especially since the Canucks have had their break since their last game was on the 16th, what's your vibe? Her. I mean, what's the vibe that you're kind of feeling from players right now? Like, how different do you think it is than the time under Travis Green the first 25 games? I don't know, man. I think it's it's kind of hard to compare because they weren't playing well under Travis. And I yeah. think that everyone, including Travis, would be the first to admit that. You know, there was just things going on and, and you know, there was different situations that were happening, different circumstances. And then when you have a coaching change, I mean, you look at any sport. Um, if there's a coaching change and then a coach gets fired or let go halfway through, the team almost always comes out with that energy boost, with that bump, with that, with that, with that extra little you know, type of juice. And the Canucks have had that. And now they've had a little bit of a break. This is why I'm interested to see what happens tonight and tomorrow um, with games in Anaheim and, and, and L.A. as to what type of team you're going to get. Are you going to get the team that's riding on this six-game winning streak and, and playing really well at both ends of the ice? Or are you going to get a little bit of a slower team because of the break and they still have to build that momentum up again and, and, and try and get back to those winning ways. So I think for the guys, it's a lot of it is let's just get back to playing. We want to play. Uh, there's a reason why they stayed out late after practices is because in all reality, they're just going home to sit at home. So yeah. you stay at the rink as long, as long as you possibly can. And you work on your game and you work on your craft and you do video and you get to hang out with your teammates. And you know, a lot of these guys live alone, right? A lot of the younger guys. So when you're going home, it's not like you can go hang out with, your guys and go to restaurants and do things like that because they're they have enhanced protocols now again so um i think the extra work is a good thing and it's, and it's just a chance for guys to kind of just be around each other and that's probably the best thing for them and one of the lines that we've enjoyed watching i think canucks fans as a whole have enjoyed watching since boudreaux came in has been the line of petterson pod colson and garland i'm curious what your thoughts are on that line and what really makes that line work so well i mean you, you got some drivers in pod colson as well as garland who's just an animal all over the puck and then Pedersen's the guy that you kind of just want to see get going do you think that line stays together here moving forward for a little bit because it seems to have some success early on here well I do it's because Pod Colson's the big body right he's the big body on that line and then we talk about him like he's such a great player right now and he's so young people forget it right he was just drafted yeah. I mean and you know and he's coming in and and he's going to be a star in this league I, I really do believe that but 
he compliments that line so much because he's so tenacious on the puck on the forecheck. And then you have Pedersen, you have guys like Garland who aren't afraid to get in the mix either. And with the skill level that Elias Pedersen has, his elite, his elite level passing ability, it's really it's really difficult for for defenses to to kind to kind of prepare for that for a line like that because you have so many different weapons on one line. And I like it a lot. And I think fans should definitely um, be happy about it. And I think Bruce Brujo definitely does like it a lot. Um, having Miller with Besser as well, I, I think that, that those two complement each other very well. And then you obviously look at Dickinson, Horvat, and Hoglander, and that's a line that you know I, I think that you know eventually could you could see some 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 good things from them. How surprised are you with Pod Colson's play this year? Honestly, I didn't really know too much about him coming in. And, you know, when you're a top 10 pick, you obviously have expectations. So you know he's going to be good. I didn't think it would take him this long to. Um, I didn't think it would. T- I didn't think he would have the success he's had this early in his career um, because I thought it would be a little difficult for him to find his way in the NHL game. But he's he's found it, man, and he's playing well. He's playing bigger minutes. He's getting more um, more opportunity. And I think that's the biggest thing of that is you earn your coach's trust. And if you're a young player at the age of 19 and 20, 21, even 22 years old, and you are having the ability to have your coach putting you out in late-game situations when you're down a goal or when you're up a goal to try and defend the lead and, and things like that, you know, you earn – that does wonders for your confidence as a young player in the National Hockey League, and, and he's getting that. And, and so is guys like Elias Pettersson, and so are guys like Brock Besser, and then things like that. Obviously, a little bit older, but when it happens and you earn that coach's trust, it does wonders for the confidence of a player. I'm wondering, have you seen that meme account that's, uh, that's yeah. where he used to play yeah. for? Do you think that's helping the confidence funny. or what? It's pretty funny. I, I think it is. I, I think it's really funny, except he doesn't know what day of the week it is sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, we just saw them tweet out, uh, the Vancouver Canucks tweeted out with uh, at the Ska account that's been tweeting out those memes about Pod Colson. Yeah, no, no, it's great. I mean, look, the Canucks social media account's doing a good job, um, as, as, as they usually do, and then they're having fun, and I think that that's the biggest thing, man. Sports are fun. Sports are meant to be fun. Sports are an escape. Sports are, sports are one of those things where, you know, you go sit on your couch having a tough day, you get to turn on the game and be able to watch something and kind of escape from your reality for a little bit. So, um Let's hope the Vancouver Canucks can keep this winning streak going, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. Speaking of fun, Bruce Boudreaux on Cameo. Have you ever I seen know. an NHL head coach, like an active NHL head coach on Cameo? Because I think this is the first. Well, it's got to be the first. Well, he wasn't without the job for a while, so he was doing the Cameo for a bit. But, yes, this, this, this might be the first. Um, good for him. You know, hey, look, he's, <laughs> like, people, from the Vancouver, people from the Vancouver Canucks are, 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 are fan base and are are paying them to do it. So why not, Bruce? Bruce has got two incomes right now. It's great. <laughs> Stacking it up, absolutely. Irv, before yeah. we let you go, we we chatted with you before Christmas. I don't think we've chatted with you since. What was one of the good low-key gifts you got this year? Uh, Space Jam socks. Ooh. Big sock guy. Big Space Jam guy, too. I got some tricks, uh, like the cereal socks. Oh, pretty, wow. I'm happy with those ones. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Quads? What socks did you get this year? I got rocking around the Christmas tree socks with Santa Claus on them, and I think that's there a great go. gift. Except I can only wear them for like one month of the year. You know what? Every Christmas I get a lot of Christmas socks, and then it's like I have, they just sit in the closet. They're gearing up for, for next eleven year. months. Now gearing I have up for yeah, next just year. collect dust for another year. Yeah, I don't know. Can you rock? Do you think you can rock Christmas? Like they're fun. I wear them around the house. Okay, and under pants, depending. Or if on what you're I'm a fashion guy here, can you wear Christmas socks in July? No. I'm going to. I knew the answer to that already. Although, although having said that, I I would watch like Home Alone in July. 
Wow. So you're anti-Christmas yeah. sock in July, but you're okay with Christmas movies in July. Now that's fine. Is it's it? a movie. No one, no, one, no one has to see me wearing Santa Claus socks out in July. That's fair. Okay, but Home Alone, like, yeah, we know it's a Christmas movie, like, timeline, but would you watch, like, a movie with, like, Christmas in the title in July? You like know, like Santa Claus? Yeah, like Santa Claus. What's uh, what's uh, Santa Claus 2? Santa Claus 3, those movies? Yeah, maybe, if I like the movie enough. Wow. Okay. okay. What's the best Christmas movie, Herb? Home Alone. Yeah, he's Fair right. Enough. And Solid Elf. I like Elf. Elf is a close second for me. Yeah, not a big Elf guy. I don't know why. Mm. Oh, man. Filmed at Pacific Coliseum. Big parts of that movie. All the North yeah. Pole scenes, I think, were filmed at Pacific Coliseum. A little fun fact. Thanks, Quads. I didn't know that. You're very welcome. If you need a Burnaby fact that is absolutely useless, Quads is your guy. <laughs> Earth, appreciate it, man. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for joining us today, man. All right. Great job, boys. Keep it up. Earth Kafar joining us there from the fourth period. Chris, I think you could do Christmas socks in July. Like the the if depends maybe on like you don't want Christmas trees on it, but could you do like reindeer bright socks in July if you're you know you're trying to show off with the socks a little bit? I think so. I think it's I think you're allowed to. I I, I don't know. I think I'm just gonna show up to training camp. I'm gonna make sure Earth sees my socks now. I'm gonna wear these Santa socks to the press box and make sure Earth sees them. Yeah, he's gonna give it give it to you after that. I got what what was the low key gift that I got, and I brought this up with you earlier. One of these these Apple um, what are they called here? I forgot them already. Air tags. They're so called air tags. So it shows like I put it. You're supposed to put it on your keys or something. I put it on my water bottle so I don't lose my water bottle because I love this new water bottle that I got for Christmas last year. It came in a two pack and I lost one of them, so I don't want to lose the other one. So I got my Apple Air Tag thing on my water bottle, and it kind of helps remind me to like not leave the house without it. Drink a lot more water. I know that you're supposed to put it on your keys. But I, I don't know. I'm going with the water bottle. It helps me keep the water a little bit better, you know? Do you ever, like, get a notification on your phone being like, oh, you left without your water bottle? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Like, if I get out to the end of my driveway, because I got a long driveway, if I get out to the end of the driveway because I park on the road. Subtle flex. Okay. It's, yeah. It's, I don't own the house. <laughs> but, like, if I get out to the road and, and my water bottle's in the house, it'll tell me at that point that I forgot it. But here's the air, here's the other damn problem. So, I set up this air tag thing. I don't know what I'm doing with it. I'm not the most great with technology and I get to, I set it up and I, I put it in as a handbag. So it's like, you forgot your handbag every time I walk out of the house now. And it's like this big purse emoji pops up and says, I forgot my handbag in the house, but it's my water bottle. That is a big water bottle. You could probably store a lot in there. Could be a handbag. If, in a pinch, it could I guess, be if you ever sure. needed it to. I got, I got air tags for my mom. But she loses her keys all the time, so it went right on her keys, not her water bottle. See, if I was, like, traveling, maybe I'd put the air tag on the keys at that point. But I, I'm not too worried about, like, losing keys if I'm just going to, like, work at home, you know, wherever else you can go. You can't really go many places right now. But, like, I wouldn't be too worried about the keys right now. See, I never leave my house without my water bottle. You know, I've got my Deadpool shaker cup all the time, or my sippy cup, as uh, as a lot of our friends would call it. Yeah, that thing's famous, that... Uh... Deadpool, which, like, you haven't even seen the movie. Little right? story. I'm not going to drop names. And, yes, I've seen Deadpool, of course. Ryan okay. Reynolds, classic. I'm not going to drop names. But there was a morning skate this year where a Canucks executive in hockey ops saw me going up the elevator, glanced down at my water bottle, and then said, are you quads? And I was like, yes, I am. And that's how he recognized me was with my Deadpool sippy cup, the, the uh, storied Deadpool sippy cup. It was a Canucks executive. I'm not going to name names, but I was recognized solely for my Deadpool shaker cup. Yeah, that thing is in all your all your pictures on the old uh, hidden Instagram. Yeah, exactly. All those gym pics you're posting. Exactly. Well, you can't post them anymore right now, nope. unfortunately. I, I can still post them. I've got lots. <laughs> yeah, you got a little home gym going now, too. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to get into this. Murph actually helped me out big time. 
What's what was Murph's tip to you? Murph's given me a lot of fitness advice over the past and year. And the turtleneck too. I see yeah, yeah, I never saw you wear a turtleneck until like Murph I pulled said, one out. Like I said, I've said this many times when I grow up, I want to be Dan Murphy. So, I go to Murph for advice. I I, I think we're friends. I, I think he'd be okay with me calling him a friend. I text him for workout advice. We kind of go back and forth and talk a lot at the rink. Other people are talking about the Canucks. Murph and I are just talking fitness, talking about our workout schedules. He got me on the 7 a.m. workouts. Those are good. Waking up, first thing in the morning, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's funny because like 7 a.m. to you is like so early. Don't your, even get me started. With your sleeping. You know what? I, I've Ever since Christmas, I don't know, maybe the turkey reset my body. I've been sleeping in nice after after Christmas hit. It's been good. I don't know if the turkey's still kind of just hanging around in there, sleeping in until like 9 o'clock. It's been a good good little bit for me there. That's not sleeping in for me. I've been setting alarms for like 9.15 and hating it, yeah, unfortunately, with gotta, the gym closures. Got a text on the uh, 650, Dunbar Lumber inbox here. We were talking about socks a little early. Cookie Monster and Oscar the Grouch socks. You know you're you know you're over 25 when you get excited about socks for Christmas. Unsigned text. I get excited for socks. I'm Dude, I tell 25. you what, the, the best gift, and I ask for it every year, is just like nice underwear, good socks, I'm good. It's like that meme where it's the ripped underwear and it's like, come on, you've only got one more month to go. That's what you're telling your underwear in November. You're like, hang in there. One more month. Let's uh, let's go to break on the underwear talk. Eh? We'll get back to some I sports agree. on the other side. Touch on a little bit more about the World Juniors. Set up the Vancouver Canucks here facing the Anaheim Ducks tonight, 730. Uh, we're going to hear, I think we're going to try and get some audio here moving forward from the Vancouver Canucks doing their Zoom call here pretty soon. Uh, we may get some audio on the other side. Otherwise, we'll chat about the Vancouver Canucks. Alexa Potak's going to join us at 1.30 to talk about what she liked from the World Juniors, which is now canceled. If you're just tuning in right now, the rest of the tournament will not continue on. But Alexa's going to join us to chat about what she saw from the tournament, from maybe those 16-year-old kids that were so impressive, maybe a little bit on Dimitri Zlodiev, because I know she was kind of keying in on the Group B, as well as some Swedish prospects overseas of the Vancouver Canucks organization. So we'll get to that on the other side. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Chris Faber and David Quadrelli here on Sportsnet 650. Sportsnet Today, Chris Faber, David Quadrelli here at Sportsnet 650. Sportsnet Today filling in for Bick Nazar, who was with, I believe, the uh, the show after us. Breaking news, quads. Bad news with the Vancouver Canucks and COVID. Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe. In addition to one support staff member in Vancouver have been placed into the NHL's COVID-19 protocol that is coming from the Vancouver Canucks' PR account one minute ago. So Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe heading into the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. What do you even say at this point? That sucks. Yeah, it definitely sucks. Sucks big time. Uh, the way that uh, this is just an everyday thing for the, Vancouver, for the NHL, for the world, uh, as they try and move on with play here. Two players, this isn't ten players, This two players is still going to hurt the Vancouver Canucks roster moving forward. The Anaheim Ducks, as we've heard last, the latest was that three of their players, including Trevor Zegris, are in COVID-19 protocols. So, we'll have to just see what happens moving forward with tonight's game. I assume, at this point, we're still going to see some game action tonight. Quads, you don't think two positive cases and a staff member is going to affect that for tonight's game? Well, remember... There were positive tests before that game against Columbus, right? And Jim Rutherford at a press conference. We kind of assume he'll do the same today because the communication's been pretty good with this organization lately. So we'll see if Jim Rutherford's going to speak. But Jim Rutherford did say, we're proceeding with the game tonight. We've been told by the league that we are proceeding tonight. And if there are going to be any cancellations, it needs to be 
with a no- higher number of players testing positive than what we have. And when he said that, there were only two that had tested positive. So you assume that's going to be the case for the Canucks tonight. But like these guys just traveled down to the States and had a practice yesterday and the last three days. And someone someone just brought up a great point that we're going to have to find answers on because we don't know off the top of our heads right now. But what does that mean for the status coming back to Canada? Unsigned text in the Dunbar Lumber 650-650 text line. Hit us up there. But what does this mean for coming back to Canada? Because a big concern of why the Canucks didn't want to go back down to the States right before Christmas was there's that isolation period, that 10-day isolation before you can come back. Now, the NHL has adopted the the U.S. CDC's um, five-day five day protocol now. So that's really interesting to see how that kind of plays into this because that is the NHL's approach and that's America's approach, but that is not Canada's approach. So it depends. We we really don't know yet. We're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to ask. We're gonna have to ask Jim Rutherford if he's on a press conference today. Yeah, I'm not sure if we'll get Rutherford today, but um, yeah, to see Brock like listen, Brock Besser flew on the plane with the Vancouver Canucks to Anaheim. It's obviously not a great situation to see him test positive today, and it's it's got to be worrisome. Like it's this is something that's going to be unfortunately in the sports world for. For that, at least the foreseeable future here, continuing on, and we'll have to see what happens with it. Got a text here on the Dunbar Lumber 65650 Lum- Dunbar Lumber text line. The smart alternative is a Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. This is from a regular texter, Marcus and Gibson's, saying, I feel a bubble coming up in the spring. I tell you what, if you see this many players missing out throughout the leagues, I, I wonder if a bubble is the way that they want to move forward, specifically when you start to get to playoffs again, if things haven't improved by the time we get to playoff action, which I really hope they do. Because this is getting hard to talk about every week, every show, every day, every hour on Sports Talk Radio is talking about COVID, and that's unfortunate. But that's the world that we're in right now, and uh, we're just going to have to work with it going forward as uh, the news is just coming down the pipe right now that Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe Giuseppe nailed it. Have entered COVID nineteen protocol for the NHL. A few other things to get here. Uh, so yeah, someone said I feel bubble coming up in the spring. I don't know if it's going to be that. I think we are going to see some change in protocols. We've already kind of seen that with the change of the quarantine period for symptomatic players, and also um, the bringing back taxi squads as well. And someone just said, please give an update on the World Juniors. We've done that a bunch. We're going to keep doing that throughout the show for people just tuning in. But the World Juniors have been canceled. That is official now. Uh, and again, we just got a text. This is unsigned. Patrick Johnson tweeted today that the Canucks were following the Canadian rules for a seven-day quarantine for vaccinated players with symptoms. That's also what I read from Frank Saravalli on Daily Faceoff. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how long it's going to be until Besser comes back. We assume uh, seven days, but it's also seven days after your tw- 24 hours after your first uh, your 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 positive test, so that doesn't kick in. Those seven days don't kick in until tomorrow. It's just it's really unfortunate because, like I said earlier at the top of the hour here, this you know Brock Besser was on the plane with every single other player here on this team that traveled down. I believe he like we don't know Phil Giuseppe. I'm only seeing this because there's a video of Brock Besser getting off the plane and walking with the group of guys uh, on the Canucks social. So. Man, like it's not going to get better anytime soon here, unfortunately. Uh, we're still hoping that you're just going to get a game tonight in for the Vancouver Canucks who haven't been able to get into a game action for a long time and now will be without Brock Besser for 
I guess the remainder of this road trip as they're playing the Ducks tonight, Kings tomorrow, and then the Seattle Kraken on New Year's Day without Phil DiGiuseppe as well, of course, uh, as both players have entered COVID protocol. Got a text here from Tanner in Abbotsford. If things don't get better for the playoffs, how would the cancellation of playoff games work? See, that's why, you know, Marcus texted in about a bubble. If things still haven't improved, it wouldn't shock me to see go back to a bubble format for the playoffs. If things are getting worse or not, even if they're at the point they're at right now, like this isn't good enough to go think that you can travel back and forth and have fine playoff games. Like think about the pressure that's on the NFL right now with everything going up, numbers going so high, 22 players missed the other day when I was watching, uh, watching the saints play there. I mean, 22 players from the roster weren't playing. They just had to keep playing the game. What's that going to be like for the NFL? They're under a lot of pressure with the playoffs just a few weeks away are two weeks away, really. So very tough, uh, very tough to see. But, man, like, I, I wonder about what's going to happen moving forward here with, like, things just aren't getting better, man. Like, if you want to keep sports going, it's it's bad. Like, we've heard so much. Remember when they went to the bubble and they came out of the bubble and you started to hear from players about how bad that was on just their mental, like how they were dealing with just being stuck in a bubble, having it only be hockey. Like, there's a certain point to the – bubble hockey that I don't like where players just feel like they're like a circus animal where they're being put out there to play hockey. Mental health is not at the forefront for any of that. And mental health already at such a knock on so many people going through a pandemic. I don't know. Like bubble hockey would be a way that maybe you can get through the playoffs again, but it's got to be a lot better than what they did in the past. Like telling players that their family was going to be, their families are going to be able to join them in one of the conference finals. That didn't happen. The bubble experience wasn't great, but if you are going to continue on with sports, and I think the players want to play, I just don't know if the players want to play in a bubble again. A couple things here, and just getting back to Tanner from Abbotsford Text about what's going to happen with playoff games. We don't know, because the bubble hasn't obviously been officially announced or even started to be talked about as far as we know, but we assume it would be a play-in again. Would it not? There'd be a play-in round. It'd be very similar, we assume, to what they had before. Now... Do they not do that and go by points percentage because they want to make it shorter and have players stay in the bubble for less time? Potentially. Again, we don't know. This is all just kind of coming at us right now, and we're just starting to spitball with our textures, which is great. We appreciate you guys texting in. But there's another thing that I did want to point out. Um, the players, after the bubble, were asked, oh, how would you feel about next season starting in a bubble? And they were all like, nope. There was not one player that was like, yeah, that'd be great. All the players, almost unanimously, if I recall correctly, talking about the Canucks here, all said, no, we don't want to bubble again. We we want to be with our families and we want to be playing normal and safe. And that's what led to last season, right? Yeah. And I, that's the thing. Like, the players do not want to go back into a bubble again. It's not a great situation. I mean, the things that we just kind of heard from the last time that they actually had the playoff bubble was it was just like, what, they had a basketball court they could play on? They had Tim Hortons for breakfast every day? You know, they had some ping pong tables where you could play against your teammates only. Like, not a great situation, man. And and I know that I hope that the NHL, if they're leaning towards going back to that, I've hoped that they've learned from that and learned from what the players were talking about and what the feedback they got from the players were. Because it wasn't great. The players weren't happy with what there was going on in the bubble. They obviously made it through, and the team that won the Stanley Cup was happy about that. But I don't know. If, they, if that's going to be the situation where they're moving back into it, it's tough. It's very tough. And for people that are just tuning in now, uh, Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe have entered the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. Obviously, we will not see them in action tonight. But as of right now, 
until we see an update from the Vancouver Canucks or the NHL or Elliot Friedman or whoever else, maybe Chris Peters wants to break two stories today. As the World Juniors were also canceled, as we touched on earlier. Man, tough time to talk sports, but it's just like a lot of it, all the news is about cancellations, guys testing positive for COVID. It makes it a little tough to talk sports here. Someone else said, can they make a massive bubble with the families as well? And like, unsigned text, appreciate the text. The problem with that, though, is like, the kids have school, right? And the wives have stuff going on, right? The the, the wives and girlfriends have stuff going on and maybe don't want to go into a bubble like I don't know you're asking a lot of the families at that point and again the big thing like I think of is just the kids have school right like they can't just pull all their kids out of school and that's, but that was told to the players last year that by the time they got to the conference finals when there's you know four teams left in the summer in the summer they were going to be able to bring their families in that didn't happen though right like that was a I think a major letdown was like I remember seeing was it one player in the Stanley Cup final in the in the conference finals last year his family like lived around Edmonton, and they were able to like drive in. It was one family. Forget the player now, but uh, maybe someone in the text line can help me out there. But uh, it was one player's family. He was the only like f- person in attendance at the game because they moved into the bubble as well. So just like one one mom and dad and maybe a brother or something was cheering on their uh, their player who was in the the finals there. So I don't know if we're gonna be able to get to that route again, or maybe some sort of hybrid version of it. Because man, it's it's crazy that. We're back to that point. Or, or having a discussion about going it's, back to that point. It feels like deja vu, right? It sucks. Yeah. This is a big twist to our day. We were expecting to just host a show, normal you know, show. You know what? We're looking. It looks like right now we are going to see the Vancouver Canucks play a game. Okay? Last time you and I came in here and did a show before Christmas. Like, I don't know, Quads. You and I are just bad luck. When we host shows here, we were here when the Canucks first canceled their games. We're here now when the World Juniors get canceled. We're here now that... Two players test positive for the Vancouver Canucks after having a good amount of days with nothing. I think we're we're bad luck, man. We're not uh, maybe we're not like uh, coughed out to be these uh, radio guys like we thought we were. It's just we come in here and bad things just happen in the sports world. Every Canucks prospect we've had on the show gets traded. It feels like that's pretty true as the well. Canucks actually. combo cursed. You that are picked up on waivers as well. Jeez, well it's because it's because none of the top guys want to be our friend. Question: Is the whole World Juniors tournament canceled? Yes. The World Juniors are canceled, as TSN, Bob McKenzie, Chris Peters have tweeted out. So, it's tough. Very tough. (laughs) Um, Dan in Fort St. John asking if we can talk at two times speed. Is that just to get through? Well, I think sometimes we talk slow, but other times people tell me mostly, not so much you, to slow down. They're like, can this guy, did this guy just drink a bunch of espresso? Can he please slow down? So, I don't know if Dan's saying we're slow talkers. I, I don't think I'm a slow talker. Sometimes. But I, I get I get stuff in the inbox all the time. People telling me to slow down. Maybe don't give this kid so much coffee. Maybe Dan's running on a few espressos. He wants us to get up to his level. Yeah, Dan Dan might have been uh, been the spro king today. Just around the corner here, we are going to um, we're going to get to don't at me in the next couple of minutes. I see a few of them piling in right now. So get your don't at me's in, uh, and we'll jump into that in a few minutes. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know. Well, we'll try and have some fun with it, but it's been a lot of bad news uh, going into today right now. As we've touched touched on it as the show has started. World Juniors canceled. We're still going to talk some World Juniors with Alexa Potak in the next segment here. We're going to talk about some Canucks prospects overseas as well, which I'm still excited to do, which is going to be some fun. But we'll have to uh, we'll have to see. I, I'd like right now we're expecting to see a game. We're expecting to see Brad Hunt play on the second power play with the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously, Brock Besser being out of the lineup affects what you're going to see on the power play unit for the Vancouver Canucks. And if they're expected to play tonight, quads, we see the first power play unit with 
Pedersen, Horvat, Miller, Hughes, and you're missing a guy in the bumper, is that Pod Colson's spot now, do you think? Or do you think Pedersen moves into the bumper and Pod Colson moves onto the first unit? I mean, with Brock Besser coming off of that unit, who's the guy? I mean, Pod Colson wasn't even on the second unit. So who do you think hops up and plays on that first unit now? I do think it's Pod Colson because Nils Hoaglander took Pod Colson's spot in the bumper on PP2. I do think it's going to be Pod Colson in that bumper spot on the first power play unit because not only has he done it before for the Canucks and for Bruce Boudreaux, but he's not on the second power play unit. And I don't think they want to change up their formation with having Elias Pettersson at the net, net front, as we talked a lot about in hour one. Elias Pettersson was at the net front yesterday in practice during the drills, and Bruce Boudreaux was talking about how it's really important to just get those skilled guys out there. So with that in mind, I could see a world where he's not married to the idea of Elias Pettersson at net front because, like he said, it's all about just getting your most skilled guys on that first unit. It'd be interesting to see. I'd be fine with it. I think Pod Colson can bring a lot of different things, and that's something that we saw Bruce Boudreaux talk about was that he wants his first unit to be guys who can chase down pucks in corners, make good plays, and put his best skilled players out there. Pod Colson makes a lot of sense in that spot. Um, interesting text here. Uh, from Dan and Fort St. John as well. Hopefully we sped up a nice little bit for him. We can talk a little bit faster. If Dan, if that helps, we'll make you happy. But a good text, uh, and I'd like to discuss this actually. Um, so Dan's text here into the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Do you guys remember the talk around the 2018 NHL draft about the tiers in defensemen? It was Dallin and then Hughes, Boakvist, Bouchard, and Dobson. How different would the Canucks look if they had selected one of the other guys? Because look at those other guys. Boakvist not so much, but I think he's he's still bigger than Hughes. But you look at Bouchard, you look at Dobson, both 6'3 guys that I was very high on. I was very high on Adam Boakfest. I still am. I think he's a great puck mover because I didn't think that Hughes was going to be there for the Vancouver Canucks to select. It felt like Hughes was maybe in a tier above those other three. Like It felt like the other three defensemen in Bouchard, Boakfest, and Dobson were going to be 7, 8, 9, 10 picks kind of in that little run there, especially with the guys like that was a big right shot defenseman class for the top 15 at that point. But it didn't feel like Hughes was going to be available. Like It felt like Hughes was going to go to Detroit, I believe, at number four. Number f- Yeah, it would have been number four for Detroit. It felt like that's where he was going to go. And then he didn't end up going there and f- completely just fell into the Canucks' lap as the way that things played out with Phillips Adina dropping down, Kokenyemi uh, obviously going high to the to the Montreal Canadiens. So that was, a, that was like if you're looking for a position of need as a right-shot defenseman, big body, Bouchard, Dobson, people liked those players, but I do think that – the overall rating on Hughes was when he dropped, you had to select Hughes because he was just a higher skilled defenseman than the rest of the guys. But it felt like at the time, the reason Dallin was rated higher than Hughes was because he also had size and Dallin was expected to be the best guy out of that group. Yeah, exactly. And the Canucks are looking different to Dan's point. If they don't select Quinn Hughes, he's an integral part of this team. He's, I, I think, the best defenseman out of all of those. I think if you, in a redraft, if you have the first overall pick, and you're choosing between Rasmus Dahlin and Quinn Hughes, I think you go Quinn Hughes now. Mm-hmm. I don't think you take Dahlin. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, I think if <laughs> looking back at Dras, I would too. I, I would as well. I think you look at Hughes and what he does offensively, it's it's ridiculous. And and Dan's told us why he does why he wants us to talk twice as fast because he's used to podcasts. He listen I know a lot of people do this. They listen to podcasts in two times. I do this as well. You listen? I do. Yeah, some of them. You get through them faster. It's better. I've found that with YouTube, and this is one of the best tips I've ever got. Every YouTube video I watch, I watch at 1.25. I thought you said U2, like the band. Like, you're like, oh, man, no. all the YouTube songs, if you just speed them up, they're no. way better. YouTube. Yes. Look at YouTube, and like every video I watch, whether it's like, a, you know, teach me how to 
how to cook a steak the perfect way or whatever the video is. 1.25 every time. It's not even that much of a difference. You get through the video so much faster. I change the speed on videos for the sake of entertainment. Oh, in a good way. If you go down, say, a Family Guy rabbit hole and say you watch, I don't know, Peter Griffin clip on like two times speed, it's hilarious. <laughs> well, like, you know what? Here, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Here's some homework for you, some YouTube homework. Okay. When Peter Griffin tries Red Bull, watch that on two times speed and then get back to me. Okay. Get that out to Peter the Peter Griffin on Red Bull on two times speed. Thank you, Eddie. Maybe that's our podcast name for the today's episode. <laughs> No, what the what I like about changing the title and like changing the the speed of a podcast when you play it at point five, everybody sounds drunk. Like you play any podcast at point five, and everybody's just like, "Welcome to the Jedux Hour." Here, like, listen to Drancy sounds wasted sometimes. Wow. Yeah, I remember those days when the we point did five that. times. Yeah, when we not when we <laughs> when we listened to the podcast yeah, at yeah, point yeah. five. That's what I was trying to yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. All right, one twenty. We're going to get to it right now because this is the time for Don't At Me. Instead, like Bick's always late, but uh, Eddie, we can crank it up. Don't At Me. Let's get it. Oh, coming in. If I knew where it was. Oh, uh-oh. Chris, Chris just randomly throws to Eddie like he's supposed to be ready for this. I wasn't ready. I didn't even know we were doing Don't At Don't Me. Don't At Yeah, I guess I should have gotten the air. Yeah, you just, you just threw it on Eddie. Giving more time for people in the inbox to fire in some Don't At Me's. I've seen some coming in here, though. Um, do you have one right before we get started here, Quads? Don't at me. I don't have one ready. I got to think about mine. You, again, you just threw it at me. I just told you I didn't know we were doing the segment five seconds ago. There's and you're like, do you have one ready to go? that I make every day. I make the show outline hours and hours and hours before we get going here. Chris, your takes uninterrupted. Don't at me. Text in your submissions to 650 650. Don't at me. I said what I said. I got one now. It's time All for right. Don't At Me. Don't At Me. Chris's show outline is rendered useless when this much news breaks. Did you have the World Juniors being cancelled in there? No. No, I did. Yeah, that's the point of radio. You got to get to it live here. That's that's sports radio, but you put the outline in to have a little... But I stopped checking the outline after... You stopped checking the outline like three months ago when we got hired here. That's true. I show up. I do a great job. My All mom right. thinks so. Don't at me from Tyler the Beer League Shooter Tutor. Don't at me. IIHF will set up a World Junior Style Summit Series with Team USA in Canada. Hashtag follow the money. Unsigned don't at me. Chris and Quads killed Canucks prospects. It's like that Grim Reaper meme of us knocking on the door. There's Jonah Gajevich in one door. Zach McEwen in another. There's been other ones too who've been traded after talking to us. Well, that's the thing we're worried about, Aiden McDonough. Who's we are worried about to, Aiden McDonough, uh, going friend to of the join show. Us tomorrow, yeah, uh, here on Sportsnet 650, McDonough's going to come by, who I believe might be the Canucks' top prospect. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> it is, it is true. The guys that uh, that we talked to, we like Cole Lynn being another one who was uh, picked up by the Seattle Kraken. There's another one, another good friend of the show. He's actually playing pretty well lately. Jonah Gadovich scored a second goal of the season last night. Good for, for San Jose. Ton of hits for Jonah Gadovich. I seen a tweet the other day comparing him and Alex Chason, how much they get involved physically. I don't even want to see that. That's annoying. Don't at me. Faber looking like Pullman with oh. all the big mistakes. Marcus and Gibson. To be fair, you didn't make any mistakes. If anything. It was me that made the mistake by not actually checking the outline. 
I'll, I'll own up to it. Yeah, sorry. Is Marcus talking about me making a mistake not having the World Juniors get cancelled and Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe? Figure it out, Is favor. that the big mistake? I think so. I think that's appropriate. Oh, man. I don't think that's a big mistake. Big mistake is my little brother. Um... <laughs> My goodness, just uh, the little brother on radio. <laughs> Don't at me. Quads in favor of the Besant Motors curse of sports radio. <laughs> we got one from Rager here. Don't at me, but the World Juniors getting canceled the day after Bedard breaks, uh, breaks one of Gretzky's records just sets him up to have the most anticipated return next year at the World Juniors. Can, can either of you, Eddie or Chris, can we think of a more anticipated return? Because this text, this don't at me, is bang on, I think. I can't think of another more anticipated return in the history of the World Juniors than Connor Bedard. And Eddie and I were looking at it before the show, the team that 16-year-old Connor McDavid was surrounded by because the big stat being thrown out yesterday was oh, all tournament long at 16, Connor McDavid only had four points. And yesterday, Connor Bedard had four goals. Look, we were looking at that team. Some names on that team were like Griffin Reinhardt. I think it was Sam Reinhardt, actually, that was on that team. And Derek, Griffin was definitely on it on the back end. Curtis Lazar. Curtis Lazar. Derek Pouliot. Derek Roman Pouliot. The, yeah. Roman the blue line. Jonathan oh. Duran was the second leading scorer for Team Canada that it, lost the bronze medal game. Exactly. It wasn't the same players that, uh, that we're seeing now, the quality of players. Like, last night, I was watching the game, and it was... Oh, Shane Wright moves the puck to Connor Bedard. It's like, my goodness, those are that's two first overall picks passing the puck to each other, not even playing on the first line. That's insane. Anthony Mantha was on that team. Nick Batan was on that team. There you but Batan was a wonderful junior player with Portland as we oh, know. Yes. Ridiculous. Yeah. All right, let's get to maybe a couple more here. This one from Brisk. I think this is fired at Eddie here. Don't at me, but they just canceled Family Guy with Faber and Quads on the radio as well. Another cancellation. I didn't get the I joke. I was like, oh, did they really? I, I get it now. That makes sense. That's a good one. This is honestly, okay. Text from John in New West here. Don't at me. NHL needs to go all or nothing. Either cancel the season or stop testing asymptomatic players. Enough is enough. Again, we've seen other sports leagues kind of take that approach. Steve Eiserman was pretty outspoken about it. And Tyler Myers with the Canucks recently saying uh, he felt Eiserman's comments were bang on. And it reflects how he feels as well. I'll say this. I don't think things, the way that things are going right now, are not working for sports. I do think there needs to be some sort of change. I don't know it. I don't know what the right way to go about it is. But I don't think the way that the NHL is working right now is the correct way. I think there's another option down the road. There definitely has to be. Because yes. you just, you can't keep going with the season this way. You no, just can't. You it's can't not going to work. have three to four players on every roster missing five days and then just next week comes around and it's three or four more could be 10 if it moves exactly like and it's... I, I am hopeful that as more kind of data and knowledge about the omicron variant comes out because the early returns are that it's extremely contagious and more contagious than the other strains that we've seen so you know once that kind of settles down a bit or they get a better handle on it i, I am hopeful i will say that again not a doctor but you are hopeful that the NHL, with their protocols, can try to figure out something that kind of accounts for this this virus. That's the thing. We're not doctors. I would hope that a doctor would be able to find out a better option than what they're doing right now. You a know? doctor versus Gary Bettman. Who are you taking? I'm taking the doctor. I'm Ten times doctor. out of ten. Final one here. 
Sean from Waterloo, don't at me. Bedard is the best 16-year-old in the world juniors ever. Two goals per game, 2.5 points per game. You know, he was going to get a bigger opportunity with Canada. You were just you could feel it, right? Comes in as the 13th forward, moves up in the lineup, gets some more time, gets a lot of time against Austria. You just had a feeling he was going to get more minutes going up. But here. that statement can't be made against the quality of competition like you had in Austria. Yeah. Like yeah, that was just sh- that was that was shooting fish in a barrel yesterday with all due respect to Austria. There I was, think yeah, there's one point Eddie, you and I were watching the game. We looked down, did a couple things on the computer as we were producing the afternoon show. The quality of competition that Austria provided and how easy it was for Canada to just execute at a high level was just not even fair. Yet their goalie is still better than Yaroslav Askarov. Very interesting. But we'll, we'll talk about that later, potentially. But I think, to be fair to Sean from Waterloo, I'm pretty sure he was saying that tongue-in-cheek. Because by the numbers, question. he's right. 2.5 points per hey, game. Yep. That's not a serious thing. But we're not supposed to at him. That's the whole point of this. Not adding him. But, you know, I'm going to at our last <laughs> one here at John. Because oh, the, according to John, the game's on tonight. Because guess what? The $3 game day Big Mac deal is on right now on the McDonald's app. So we know the game's confirmed happening tonight. At least we got that looking forward to with tonight's game. If you missed it earlier, Phil DiGiuseppe, Brock Besser heading into NHL COVID protocol. The World Juniors have been canceled. Things are falling apart. We still got a Canucks game hopefully tonight. And on the other side, we're going to talk to Alexa Potak about the World Junior Tournament, what she saw from it in the early stages. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the Canucks Swedish prospects. So we've got Alexa Potak on the other side. But you are listening to Sportsnet Today. Chris Faber here alongside David Quadrelli live on Sportsnet 650. Sportsnet Today. Chris Faber, David Quadrelli filling in for Bick Nazar. If you're just tuning in. A lot of cancellations today. World Juniors have been canceled. No cancellations on the Vancouver Canucks game just yet, but we do have two positive, I guess not really positive COVID cases. We know that the two Canucks have entered COVID-19 protocol, Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe. That's going to affect tonight's game, obviously. The Ducks in their own, they have the latest I saw, three players in COVID-19 protocol. See if that goes up any more from here. But... We're expecting a game tonight, quads. We're still expecting to see them play Anaheim. 7.30 is the puck drop. Pre-game show will be getting going at 6.30 here. Sorry, 5.30 here. Sports and 6.50. Two hours of pre-game show. But, man, just to get back to the World Juniors, because we're going to touch on it here with Alexa Potak joining us here in just a couple of minutes. It's it's really unfortunate, man. Like, it's this is a tournament that we all look forward to every single year. You want to see this get into the actual you know, semifinals, get to the finals, get some really good junior hockey going. And it's, it's too bad. It's very, it's too bad that we get to this point, but um, what are you going to do? I mean, this is the world that we're living in right now, man. Like we're t- talking about Canucks players testing positive. We're talking about hoping that we don't have a cancellation tonight with the Vancouver Canucks expecting to get back to action. First game since the 16th of December. They haven't been on the ice in a long time, but uh, we could talk some world juniors. With our next guest here from Dauber Prospects, Alexa Potak. We don't get this often, Alexa, but finally, I can make quads feel old with a younger guest joining the show than his 21 year old self. Yeah, I'm happy to join. Happy to be here. Absolutely. We're, Matt, I, it's too bad because we're so excited to talk some World Juniors with you, and I think we still will uh, as we talk yeah. a little bit about what has happened. But what are your initial thoughts hearing the cancellation that we just heard over the kind of last little hour here come down? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously disappointed, like I think we all are. But, I mean, I think just from what I've been seeing coming out over the past few hours, just hearing about how, 
you know, there wasn't as much security as there was last year in terms of protecting players from kind of the outside world and from COVID. I think, you know, I think it was kind of inevitable with the way it was handled this year, as unfortunate as that is. And it's, it's a bummer to see, you know, a, another age group really not get their opportunity to represent their country as they should. Yeah, absolutely. I know Quads over here has been saying that there's a comeback coming for Askarov in this tournament. I don't know. I don't know how true that is. But uh, I, one of the guys that I wanted to ask you about uh, was one that we actually didn't really get to see at the World Juniors, but a local guy who plays for the Vancouver Giants here. How much of an impact were you expecting to see this year from Fabian Lucell, who we didn't get to see at this tournament? I was I was really hoping to see what he could do. I think he could have been a really impactful player for them and um, I was as surprised, I think, as anyone else was to hear that he wasn't playing. That definitely caught me off guard. Um, and it's a bummer we didn't we, uh, didn't get a chance to really see him play. And, you know, he's obviously had a good year in Vancouver. And uh, so it's a bummer to not see him get that opportunity to keep going. It felt like uh, a lot of kind of the goaltending world was very looking forward to seeing what Dylan Garan was going to do. But then you saw Swedish goaltender Jesper Wallstedt just stand on his head in that last game that the, that Sweden played in. Do you, were you expecting him to be the top goalie at this tournament, do you think? I was expecting him to be the top goalie at the tournament. I mean, he's he's continued his success that he had last year in the SHL and just even gotten better at that. So, you know, I was expecting him to be a real impact player for the Swedish team and really – hold it down for them because he's just he's reliable you know he's going to be good and and you know 48 save shutout you can't expect of anyone but if there's anyone who's going to do it at this tournament it would be him sticking on the topic of goaltenders Yaroslav Askarov <laughs> I've got some thoughts on him I don't know if you've seen uh what I've put on Twitter and that sort of thing and the article I did with Mike McKenna today on daily Faceoff. but the goaltending world isn't super high on Yaroslav Askarov uh, like when it comes to the technical ability, what did you see from him at not only this tournament but the last two tournaments? And are there any alarm bells being raised for you? Um, I mean, I think you know, there's kind of been the general consensus that for whatever reason he hasn't been able to reach his top potential in these junior tournaments. I'm not sure what the the rationale for that or how that could really happen is, but um, I think he's you know, I think he's a good goaltender, but I think. You know, goalie, it's a tough position to project out going forward, you know, going forward a long way. And it's such a technical position. And I think it's a little hard for me to comment on it. Just, you know, not being a hockey goalie, it's such a technical position. It's so much on like small movements. But um, I think, you know, I think people should definitely be a little bit concerned. But it was a small sample size here at this tournament and uh, people should just keep their eye on him going forward. But I don't think he's going to really fall off the map in any drastic way. Quite a few storylines were heading into this World Juniors. I know a big one that I was super excited to watch was was Matt May, Matt Vay, Mitchkov, and Connor Bedard watching these two 16 year olds go to work at this tournament for you know this year, next year, potentially the year after that. That was kind of the story that I was really excited to watch. And seeing the four goals from Bedard against Austria was great. But is that one of the big storylines that you were excited for? Is there something else that you were looking forward to in this tournament, Alexa? Yeah, I mean, I was really excited for that. They're they're both very fun to watch, and I think the back and forth on them, you know, going forward. Fortunately for them, they still have the U18s coming up in the spring, so this isn't the last we'll see of them, you know, going head-to-head, which is great, or, you know, competing in the same tournament anyways. So um, I'll be excited for that, certainly, and and seems like we'll have a really fun draft on our hands coming up next year. Do you think that there's, like, a chip on Mitchkov's shoulder to, like, prove it? Because unfortunately, like obviously, his deal with the KHL is going to keep him there till what he's twenty three, twenty four years old. Um, yeah. But 
with with everyone kind of looking at Bedard as the number one guy, like when you watch Mitchkov at these eighteen year old tournaments, he just he just shows up so well every single time we see him play. Do you think that he's got a lot to prove and he wants to prove that he's the number one guy ahead of Bedard? I think he certainly does. And I think he also has a bit of a chip on his shoulder too, because his KHL experience, you know, there's kind of a mindset in the KHL, I think among a lot of the coaching that it's not really worth playing younger guys. It's a lot about veteran leadership and, and you see it again and again, where these incredibly talented players do not get the opportunities that they, you know, quite deserve. So I think that that was a big storyline for him in the KHL. So he's really been able to hone in on his skills and just become a really powerful hockey player when playing in the MHL in the Russian Junior League. So, you know, I think I think when he comes to these tournaments, these are the people he's playing around, you know, on a daily basis. And um, I think it's easy for him to just continue his dominance. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Chris Favor and David Quadrelli. We're joined by Dauber Prospects' Alexa Potak. Uh, Alexa, when when you look at this Group B, I know that you wrote about that uh, for Dauber. Um, what mm-hmm. was one of the things that you were excited for as the tournament kind of progressed through, like with USA, Russia, Sweden? Which, what was another storyline? Because I mentioned the 16-year-old kids. That's something I was super excited for, but... We were about to start seeing some really exciting games in that group. I mean, that felt like, you know, I heard some people mention, like, the group of death because it felt like a really strong group is the group that you wrote about recently for Dauber. What were some of the, the big stories that you were kind of expecting to see play out here if the World Juniors didn't get canceled? I mean, I was, you know, Team USA obviously has a lot to prove, and they've got a very strong team this year. Going back to Team Russia a little bit, I think it was very interesting that they left out, you know, most of their North American prospects. I'm not really sure what influenced that decision, but to leave out, you know, I think people who really could have been core players for the team, I think that that was very interesting and a bit of a questionable decision. So I was interested to see how, you know, their team would do, you know, at the beginning, but also as the tournament progressed. When we look at some of these players, like, you know, I mentioned Fabian Lucell a little bit earlier. Who was another player on Sweden that maybe is draft eligible this year that you were excited to watch play out through this tournament? Um, I mean, there's there's not that many Swedish players, honestly, on the team. There's no one that's technically for this draft class upcoming. Ake Stakestad was someone that stood out to me. He was very noticeable this tournament, and I think that's great. I, he, I think he's a very good hockey player, and he's always seemingly been a you know a favorite of the team Sweden staff for a number of reasons. And, you know, it's a very strong lineup. People want to talk about, you know, their first line of Olesen and Eklund and Holtz, but, you know, when you put Stakestad on the second line and he's, he's very noticeable he's not reaching the star power of any of those three but to be an undrafted member on a team that's primarily players that have been drafted into the nhl and and really stand out as he did i think that's really impressive now i want to go over to the shl a little bit alexa i know you cover that as well and a lot of canucks fans have asked about uh linus carlson who's got 23 (laughs) points in 29 games really looking like he's finding his offensive rhythm here uh in the shl this season should should Canucks fans be excited about him potentially coming over to the AHL soon or even having some NHL potential? What are you seeing from Carlson this year? Yeah, no, he's had a he's had a really strong year and I from what I've seen from him, he's always on the puck. Like he always finds a way to end up with the puck on his stick and he has a really great hockey IQ. He you know, he's not he's not below average in terms of skating or speed but he's also not the quickest guy on the ice, but his hockey IQ makes up for that because he, he knows where he needs to be and he can get there because he, you know, sees the game a few seconds ahead of when it currently is. 
I think you could see him North, in North America even as soon as potentially next season if he can keep up this production. Um, you know, he's already a couple years past his draft year, so I'm sure the Canucks, if they like what they're seeing, are eager to bring him over to North America and let him try things out here. And are you seeing him? Is he playing center, do you know, or is he playing the wing? Uh, he's been on the wing mostly. His line has been pretty similar for a lot of the year. There's another player on his line who's uh, 22 or 23, I believe, Ricard Hoog, who is undrafted but also having a very strong year. They have very similar stat lines, and I think you know, he also might be a guy to – keep an eye out for you could potentially see him getting a a tryout or a you know one-year contract in the AHL or NHL next year if he wants it interesting with with Carlson what's the best part of his offense Um, I've heard a lot about the release on his shot being pretty strong as you kind of mentioned seems to be in the right spot a lot of the times in the offensive zone and thinking the game ahead of kind of where the play is developing is where would you say his strength is in the offensive zone I mean I've seen a lot of like really great plays in terms of his puck skills and his stick handling I think that that's something that's a big part of his game he is a good shot for sure and I think that's something a lot of people will notice and I mean I think just overall he seems to have really found a rhythm like you said offensively and I think that um that's something that Canucks fans should definitely be getting excited for well, that is exciting. Another one that I know that uh, we were both excited for, you and I talked about him after the draft this past year uh, when the Canucks selected Lucas Forcell in the seventh round. He's got almost 40 games of hockey in right now, whether that be at the J20 League or now kind of playing more consistently in the SHL, getting some some decent games where he's you know getting into the teens for minutes. He scored his first SHL goal the other day. Um, have you been surprised to see the, uh, the young kid hop right into the SHL this year and get some games? I know he's played a lot in the Junior League, but most recently, getting a little bit of a run in the SHL. Yeah, I mean, you know, part of me is a bit surprised, not about him, but just that there are very few seventh-round players that can make it into the SHL, you know, the year prior to the draft. Right now there's only two, and it's him and another player on Ferriestad in uh, Ewell Nystrom, mm-hmm. with a uh, hurricane prospect. But um, for him, I mean, look, he's clearly putting up real numbers in the – Uh, Swedish Junior League and I think that's been his strongest suit I think in the SHL I think he looks a little bit behind the pace of the game but you know I think overall when I watch him play I think he has he has a lot of work he needs to do but for a seventh round pick I think it's it's something that should make Canucks fans happy that he's getting the opportunities that he's getting and he's definitely showing improvement in a lot of his game and I talked to him last month, uh, kind of before mm-hmm. this SHL game started to roll, like once he started getting some consistent games in the SHL, and he was playing on that J20 team that was so bad. Like, I think it was something like minus 52 of the goal share through 30-something games. And yeah. he was saying how it was really wearing on him, and he was trying to be a leader, trying to be a guy that could help this group. But just when you go out there and are at the point of kind of expecting to lose, that hurts a little bit. So what does this mean for his confidence and him moving forward now, kind of sticking with the SHL a little more? I mean, it's certainly a huge boost to his confidence. And I think that, you know, like you said, that's sort of, you know, when you play on a team that's having a really tough season, that mentality can really affect your play, but also just the overall locker room environment. And I think, you know, getting a chance in the SHL is going to give him a lot of opportunities, but also an opportunity to really find mentorship in other players and just overall hopefully round him into a better hockey player and just someone that's, you know, more suited for success than on a team, you know, like the J20 team. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't want to be on that one. Uh, No. (laughs) With Linus Carlson, I know you touched on it. You said, you know, there is definitely some potential. Would would that be something you expect, like seeing him come to North America next year? 
I could see it happening for sure, only because of his age. You know, let's say he got drafted a year or two ago. I think that people might have more of a waited out mentality, you know, because there's a little bit less of a rush. And I, I still don't think there is a major rush. But, you know, he's a few years out of his draft class. He's really settling in. I think if he has a good rest of the year, keeps keeps up what he's doing, I, I kind of don't see why not. I think that he definitely could – at least make an appearance for training camp for the AHL or even potentially the NHL. And, you know, whether he stays, that's another story. But it's certainly an opportunity for him to take a few steps over here. Exciting stuff. Alexa, appreciate you taking the time today. It's uh, it's too bad we yeah, can sure. kind of uh, talk more World Juniors, but uh, thanks for joining us here. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Awesome. That was Alexa Potak from Dauber Prospects as quads fell asleep during the interview. No, what, what happened she was there? great. Contrary to popular belief, I did not fall asleep. I did not leave the studio. But when prospects start getting thrown yeah, around. Yeah, that's my area. Yeah. It is. And I was, you know, all I could ask about was prospect goaltenders. But, you know, she did say she's not a, really a goalie person, which is fine. She's very knowledgeable and everything else. As soon else. as she said that, quads left the room. He said, like, oh, you're I not going to I was like, well, goalies. I got nothing else. I was like, it was nice talking to you. I, I found that kind of interesting, her, her thoughts on Linus Carlson, though. Like, a legitimate Absolutely. player to come over to the AHL next year, for sure. Like, that, that's interesting, because he's a guy that maybe fell off the radar a little bit last year with him not performing, but this year he's off to a great start. 12 goals, 11 assists, 23 points, 29 games. One of the top scorers on that team uh, in the SHL. So I'm ex- I'd be excited for that. I mean, like, we look at the Carlson trade and we're thinking, well, you know, Jonathan Dallin's now obviously getting points with, with the San Jose Sharks. He's having a lot of success this year. Be nice to see Linus Carlson potentially get a little bit of a run and see what can happen with him. So if that's an opportunity for him to come play in the AHL, you'd love to see it. You would because, yeah, like you kind of hinted at there, Jonathan Dolan. Childhood friend of Elias Pettersson, line mate back when they were with Timra in the Swedish League. You know, eight goals, six assists on the season, right? 26 games. It's a pretty decent middle middle six scoring rate. And, yeah, I mean, you get excited about Linus Carlson potentially coming over to the AHL, but that's because that's really all you have. You don't have much more in the Canucks prospect pool to get super excited about. Maybe Jet Wu, maybe Jack Rathbone. I don't know if you still consider him a prospect, but... It's, it's not great right now. So thing, you do get excited about Linus Carlson. And the thing about Linus Carlson is like, okay, listen, that trade happened, what, two, three years ago? The the time of that trade was, was a little while ago. Anyways, yeah. you would think like, oh, Linus Carlson, this 25-year-old guy coming over from Sweden, somewhat to like Anton Rodin a little bit. But no, like Linus Carlson's 22 years old. And Jonathan Dolan's 24. So you got a little bit younger. You're having a guy having a lot of success in the SHL. And his first year in the SHL, like last year was in the Alsvenskan, point-per-game guy. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's a great season. But still the Al Svenskin League. You don't really put too much stock into it. But now seeing, especially as a 21-year-old last year, you'd expect to see that as a guy who's a high-end prospect. Now having success in the SHL at 22 years old means something. And Carlson's got a big body, man. Like, that's the thing that I like about him is he's not he's not one of these guys who sits in at 5'10". Like, this is a 6'1", 6'2 type of player. He's a right-shot guy. He's got a strong shot from everything that I've seen him play. I think Carlson might be able to the guy who could contribute at the AHL level as soon as next year, and the Canucks are going to need that. I mean, you, you got to continue to fill that AHL team with players like this. I think they have to go the college free agent route as well. Wouldn't mind touching on a couple guys that I really liked maybe in the 2.30 segment. We're going to have Ian McIntyre join us at 2 o'clock. And, Eddie, I believe you've got uh, – we're going to have some audio at 2.30. We're going to get to uh, Bruce Boudreau in the 2.30 hour? Yes, we will. 2.30 All block. ready to go. Right on. So we're going to get to Bruce Boudreau at 2.30. I believe he talked to media for about eight minutes or so today. Uh, IMAX going to join us coming up uh, next, after this little break here. But 
the only final thing I wanted to say from our conversation with Alexa there is Lucas Forsell, one of the youngest players in the 2021 draft, selected by the Vancouver Canucks in the seventh round. And she said it, only two of those players that were in that position, selected in the seventh round, playing in the SHL in the year where he was 17 playing in the SHL. Like Lucas Forsell got a chance last year, which was great. That doesn't happen. And now he's getting a decent bit of a run. That's a really good spot for a seventh round pick. So, you know, finding value like that, I believe Forsell is going to be on the World Junior Team next year for Sweden. I think he's going to be a big impact player. So that means it'll break the Canucks record that they set this year. And I like Forsell. <laughs> right? I like uh, one player at the World Juniors this year, Dmitry yeah. Zlodiev. Yeah, next tough. year it's going to be two. Yeah, and next year, you know what? Like, I found this interesting. Like, I, I knew that Belarus won the Tier 2 or Tier 1, I guess they call it, but it's not actually the first tier. It's a Tier 1 down yeah, yeah. from the major yeah, one. Anyway, yeah. you get what I'm saying. So Belarus won that. So that means Danila Klimovic, who will still be under 20 next year, he's going to get an opportunity to play in the World Juniors, but they're not relegating anyone. And especially now with the season, with the tournament being canceled, how the heck are they going to put a tournament together with 11 teams? How do you do that, Quads? You're a math guy. <laughs> no, I'm not. You're a you math know guy. I'm you not a math guy. Pull out the calculator and add 2 plus 4. Maybe I'm more of a math guy. Actually, I'm not even more of a math guy than you. You're better at math than me. I don't, I don't honestly I don't even know how they're going to pull it off. It's going to be It's going to be very different. I don't think it's I don't think you run with two groups. Does Danilo Klimovic get to go or do the Canucks keep him with the AHL team? No, they'll they'll have to send him to the World Juniors instead of the AHL. Didn't work when they sent the last guy from the pro club. Yeah, but this guy's different, I hope. We definitely hope that. I hope so. Hope he's, there's a uh, long NHL career here for Danilo Klimovic. Yeah, and I mean to see what he's already doing at the AHL level, you'd expect him to be a very strong player against U20 competition. You want him at this tournament. Yeah, like, it's no easy feat to play I, at the I HL thought level. they should have him at the the one that Belarus just won. Like, I thought Daniel Klimovic should be there. I just thought it's, you know, breaking up his season where a guy who struggles with, he doesn't speak English great. Like, he's really struggling with English from what I've heard from the players around. Like, you know, even players that play on his line joking about how he doesn't talk at all to them. That's tough. You know, I was thinking, you know, give him a little break. Send him to Belarus. Hang out with some of the guys that he could speak his language with. But I think that's something we'll see next year. I don't think they'll keep him in the AHL for the actual big World Junior Tournament, but 11 teams at next year's World Juniors. So we'll see. Getting a lot of text about the $3 Big Macs. Maybe we'll yeah, get to someone, that. Yeah, someone, Marcus and Gibson said $3 Big Macs and quads didn't run out of the studio during an interview. We'll see. Ian McIntyre's coming up. Speaking of Big Macs, we got iMac coming up Ooh, next. Very good. We tall, just, tall character, maybe Ian McIntyre. See if we can slip one by him and just call him Big Mac and see what he says. I'll do it before you, a question. You're going to do that? Probably not, but I'll I'll think about it. Maybe. I wonder we'll if I could slip it past him or if he'd if he'd call me on it right away on radio. Now yes. Big hey, Mac, just open a what? question with Big Mac. That's uh <laughs> that's what you call uh setting up a nice segment here coming up. Ian McIntyre on the other side. You're listening to Sportsnet today, Chris Faber, David Quadrelli, live on Sportsnet six fifty. Sportsnet today, Chris Faber, David Quadrelli filling in for Vic Nazar. Eddie Gregory has dropped the mood from earlier on his uh rejoiner music. Slowing it down, Eddie? A little bit. Keeping you on your toes a little. Okay. That's what I like. That's my uh, motto as the producer for music, is I want to surprise people, keep them on their toes. So Ex- I like absolutely. That. I have my own taste, and I'll, I'm mixing it in, and I go around a little bit. Okay. Get some in sync next time, or what? God, no. We're not, we're not the same I, then, Eddie. I got to oh, say, no. Eddie is shooting up my producer power rankings. Yeah, I, I like the music. Eddie he's hasn't done a weekend show for no, us No, he yet. hasn't, so he's not officially on the power rankings. But I'm, I'm putting him on, and I'm putting him in the two spot ahead of you. Well, I got a little argument against that. I thought I've done a pretty good job producing. but You only did it once. 
And it was excellent. Um, <laughs> Eddie Gregg, you're doing a great job there. Uh, we are just about to be joined by Ian McIntyre. Big Mac. Call my Mac. People <laughs> in the text line calling him Big Mac. Are we going to be able to sneak one in by him? The I Big Mac of the Sportsnet lineup. Jimmy's Someone texted that in. I'm not taking Toronto. credit for that. Someone texted that in. I'm Mac over in Toronto in the studio with Dan Murphy tonight, as we are expecting to see a game tonight. 7.30. Anaheim Ducks. I mean, Canucks social media feed has been all about getting set for the game tonight. Obviously, they gave us an update on Brock Besser and Phil Giuseppe entering COVID protocol. When you look at the Anaheim Ducks, their second leading scorer, Trevor Zegras, is currently on COVID protocol for them, as well as Sam Steele, another young prospect, uh, having having a somewhat of a decent start for him. I think just like eight points in the first 25 games for 23, uh, 23-year-old Sam Steele. Not bad. And also, we should mention, World Juniors canceled. That's something we keep bringing Any up more, throughout uh, the show. Any more bad news we want to get into? I know quads every time we come in here, it, uh, it seems to rate. As far as we know, the $3 Big Macs are still good. Yeah, $3 Big Macs should still work. Those are those were working even during the shutdown, during the regular scheduled games. Those were still working, just so people know. So, I mean, the guy you got to keep an eye on then tonight is Troy Terry, who's got 18 goals. Well, it's one of the top in the NHL. Troy Terry, who would have thought that? Not me. Not you at all. Not me at all. So, I mean, just the excitement to get back into Canucks action has been something we've been, man, I tell you, like, you know how many shows we've done since the Canucks played the game? It's been a hot minute. Uh, so we're very excited to hopefully see some game action back here uh, tonight, 7.30. A little bit different puck drop. Do you like the 7.30 starts compared to 7? A little later in the little night? A little indifferent, but I do like the earlier one. Cause... So you like a mix. Like, every time I ask people, like, the 4 p.m. starts, they hate them. But don't, like, it's not like it's that every time. It's always like a mix. I don't mind a 7.30 mix. Okay, so if I was just a fan and I just had to watch the game and I was done, as soon as I finished watching the game, game's over, I'm, I'm done with it, and I can do whatever I want for the rest of the night, 7.30 puck drop, I'll take that any time. That was, that was actually what I really enjoyed the most when I was just a fan. But now, i got to edit your post-game report. That's probably going to come into me at what, like 10, 10.30? Four like minutes that. after puck drop. That's true. You do get whistle. them in pretty quick. You do get them in quick. But still, it's like I would like the earlier puck drop. <laughs> Perfect text from Marcus and Gibsons. Any start time is good these days honestly <laughs> great t- point <laughs> excellent would, point marcus and gibson i'll take a 2 a.m start as long as they're playing man holy cow uh hopefully we get uh, some action tonight and like i said you know we're five and a half hours away from puck drop right now doesn't look like anything's trending in the wrong direction it feels like everything should be okay but like i said it's still a scary moment that that you know brock Besser was on the flight with all of these other teammates here phil DiGiuseppe, we assume was but we didn't see any proof behind the video but i saw you know that worries me a little bit as an outbreak coming. Obviously, you're in a small area like an airplane. Tough. Tough thing moving forward. We'll see. Nothing? You're just going to stare at me? I thought we had iMac on the line. No. Okay. <laughs> well, we do actually now. Sorry. There you go. I was like, when's this guy going to throw to iMac? Oh, my goodness. Quasi's running the show here. Yeah, Ian, let's go. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Seems like Canucks Army is on the move. Yeah. Taking over the world. That's right. That's right. Absolutely is. Hey, Ian, we were talking a little earlier in the show, and I know you're you're a fashion guy, right? So <laughs> I have to throw this by you. Um, we were talking about Christmas socks. Everybody seems to get a pair of Christmas socks for Christmas, and they don't get to wear them for a long time. But what is the time frame for being able to wear Christmas socks? Is it only December in the lead up to Christmas, or can you get away with a couple weeks after? Like, where's your time frame for Christmas socks? Oh, you can get away with Christmas socks until school is back in session. Ah. So even though you, you guys are years and years removed from school, at least a couple, 
you can wear them until what is it this year? January the fourth or fifth? Fifth or sixth, I think. And and then December first. So December first till school is back in session is when you can wear the Christmas socks. I think that's a really good time frame. I really do. I agree with it completely. Now you're talking to somebody who got uh, photographed in California wearing white pants after Labor Day. So I'm maybe not the definitive expert on, on this, but in my defense, it was like 33 degrees and it was California. So, <laughs> well, if anybody has seen me dress or look at the pin tweet on Quads' profile, you are a fashion expert compared to us. <laughs> so we appreciate that. Um, hey, looking forward to the game tonight. Are you doing the same? Expecting a 7:30 puck drop tonight? Oh, let's hope so. Let's hope so. I'm I'm actually in in Toronto. I'm I'm here to keep Dan Murphy uh, company on our panel uh, tonight. But honestly, from the time the the Canucks started having games postponed, I'd I'd wondered about when the next game would be. And and had you asked me a week ago, uh, I'd have said, you know, no, there's no way they're going to go on that road trip to California. But you know, things move fast with COVID and, and, and we see the, the terribly negative side of it, uh, you know, with cancellation of the World Junior Tournament. But I think we're also learning that uh, that uh, Omicron for fully vaccinated people, it, it seems to be uh, not as, as debilitating. And, and this, this breakout or outbreak for the Canucks uh, in December is so different. Uh, just profoundly different than the outbreak they had last year pre-vaccination. And it was a different strain. It was the P1, I think they call that gamma now, the Brazilian uh, origin strain. And so that the fact that guys are, are, are healthy, even those who have been sick, um, you know, is, is really positive. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that when, when we saw this, this current wave approaching. So yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed. There's a game tonight. It's too bad for Brock and, and Di Giuseppe. Uh, but let's keep our fingers crossed. I, there's going to be a game tonight. Ian, I know this is a bit of a loaded question, so bear with me. But when the league shuts down to try to get the COVID situation under control, and then they come back and there's more positive tests, do you start to just ask the question of like, where does the league go from here? Do they throw the idea out of a bubble again because that's been something that our textures have been saying all day long since we found out about the positive tests like where does the league go from here yeah i, I don't think we're ever going to see a bubble again and i think uh that's twofold number one the players uh, at, at least to the extent that they were restricted in the playoff bubble in edmonton they will never accept that again because, you know, they were sold a bill of goods somewhat for that particular playoff tournament about what their freedoms would be and what it would be like in the bubble. It was really hard on the guys mentally, but they were playing playoff hockey and, and they were happy to be doing that. So they put up with it, but they wouldn't do that again. But also what we're seeing now from the NHL, to me, in, in how they have, I think it was last night, they announced, you know, a bunch more postponements and especially the Canadian clubs where seating capacity is, is limited. To me, this is uh, an economic issue now for them. And, and to some extent, let's not kid ourselves. It's always been, there's always been a huge, huge economic ramification yeah. for the NHL and all this. When they, when they talk about doing what's best for players, well, we saw 
when they tried to force this uh, inhumane schedule on the Canucks after the, the COVID outbreak last spring, we saw that, yeah, the economic interests to some extent um, are always going to be weighed heavily against the interest of player safety. But I think right now, the fact that the NHL has, has postponed some games and uh, Winnipeg and uh, Calgary, I believe, I don't have the list in front of me, but to me, there's an economic concern here about uh, not just not playing, about you know even playing in very limited or zero capacity. I don't think the NHL is willing to do that. So that's why I say I don't think they're going to go back into a bubble where there's no fans and they're trying to play these games. That, that, that's like the uh, break glass in case of emergency scenario. And I just don't think, I, I don't think we're going to get to that. Also, the way some of the guidelines are trending, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the NHL that just dictated that, you know, the quarantine period is going to drop to five days from 10. You know, that was the Centers for Disease Control in the United States. And the Canadian uh, uh, equivalent is also reassessing uh, quarantine time. So in that respect, and I know maybe that's a very faint silver lining for anybody who is legitimately sick right now, and I'm sorry if they are. It's what we've all feared uh, for almost two years now. But as as far as a silver lining goes, that, that's a positive uh, sign that that the... The quarantines are, are mandated by from health officials, not from the league. Is getting shorter, uh, not longer, or staying the same. So it, it's hard to see sometimes the 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 progress, and that's probably not even the right word for this. But I think they're creeping slowly in the right direction, and uh, you know I think they're going to get this season in with fans. That's what we were kind of talking about in the last segment was just like, hey, listen, it, the thing, not making any changes wasn't going to work. Like some sort of change was going to have to happen moving forward. Otherwise, it's just going to be, you know, three, four guys every week and kind of move this forward. It, that's something that you can't have regularly here with these teams if you want to expect to get some games in. But like we're expecting a game tonight and, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that as well. I, I found it kind of interesting seeing Brad Hunt on the second power play unit the other day with two defensemen. Are you expecting to see Brad Hunt in action tonight for the Vancouver Canucks as they uh, return to action here against the Anaheim Ducks? Well, uh, you never know. You've, we've known a little more with uh, uh, Bruce Boudreaux than we than we had with Travis Green about what the lineup is, but he he didn't say that, so we'll see. But normally, you know, the, that practice time is so important, and and Boudreaux has emphasized during this break how important those practices are. That I don't think. You know, there's there's been a degree of experimenting going on, but I don't think they're going to waste uh, quality practice time with something that they have no intention of using. So I think there's, I think there's uh, a solid chance of that. I, I think, you know, the bigger question of, about the Canucks, you know, 12 days between games after their longest winning streak in two years was interrupted, and it wasn't just the winning streak, as we all know, it was it was the the feelings that go with it, the 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 happiness of the players and, and the vibe around the team and their confidence level, all of that was, was interrupted. So the, the, the question tonight is really, can they, can they engage again uh, as if, you know, it's been two or three days since the last game instead of 12, can they play with that same uh, intensity and confidence that they showed uh, in that six game winning streak? Because as Several of them, including Boudreau, have have noted they ain't done nothing yet. Like it, it felt good, I'm sure, for them, 
But uh, all six wins has done, especially now that, you know, they shut down a couple of days before some other teams before the break. So uh, other teams got to make up some of the games at hand. All it's done is, is, is carve the, the deficit from whatever it was, 12 points to six. That's winning six in a row. And Boudreaux did say in that Christmas message, which I love. You can play that on January 4th, <laughs> the Boudreaux Christmas message. It's not like the Sox. It's not, there's no moratorium on it. But, um, you know, he said 10-0 and 0 is better. Uh, honestly, if they win 10 in a row, they might be in a playoff spot. But probably not. That's how far down, right. how far back that deficit was from where they've started. Ian, you also talked with uh, Jim Rutherford recently, and I found some some interesting quotes from him out of there. One of the things that I kind of wanted to ask you about with the conversation was how different a feel it feels like with Jim Rutherford wanting to use a lot of different voices, get a lot of different people in different points of hockey that have strengths, whether it be in analytics, scouting, whatever it is. What is the difference with Jim Rutherford now coming in as the president and currently interim GM with wanting to have more voices at the table compared to what we saw before? Well, I just think it's, uh, I think it's hugely beneficial. You know, he wants people who have had a different journey to this point. Everybody has to be qualified for whatever, you know, these senior jobs are uh, for the Canucks, but he wants them to have had a different journey to get to that point so that there can be this diversity of opinion and uh, leading from a diversity of experiences. Uh, I said several times, in fact, I, I remember distinctly on the last uh, television broadcast of, of last season when we're talking about the state of the Canucks, that just there needed to be more voices. There was too much concentration of, of power just with, uh, Jim Benning and his right-hand man, John Weisbrod. And, and part of that was due to the fact that, that they, were, they had a really thin front office. They didn't have as many people as, as most other teams had. But also when things, when things really got bad for the team, I, I, think, I think things were less collaborative uh, in management and that there was a, a whole lot of pressure obviously on Benning and he felt like he just had to make the decisions that he thought was right. But in the end, that's, that's not, that's not necessarily the, the most healthy way to run, to have a management team where you want people to feel included. You want their voices to be heard. And the fact that Jim Rutherford has talked about this and he talked about it with me, but he'd also, he'd also uh, referenced that in a little bit in his press conference when he arrived, I think he, talked about it, if I'm not mistaken, on the Zoom call that he did before Christmas with reporters. Um, I think the fact that he has mentioned having different people's voices heard means he's well aware or has been told by uh, members of the organization who have survived the regime change that that had become a problem. And he's, and he's emphasizing that he, he doesn't want that to be the way things work moving forward. So I think it's, uh, I, I think it's a great idea. As, as Rutherford said, it, it's sometimes easier to say that than to actually execute it because you do have to find people who are all qualified but come from different experiences or backgrounds. But I, I think it's a, a terrific ideal to have. And just like, you know, in a way, part of uh, Bruce Boudreaux's effectiveness has just been he's so drastically different and how Travis Green was, and uh, and I think Travis Green's an excellent coach, and and is going to have another NHL job for sure at some point. 
but the, I, I think just the change and how how dramatic the change in personalities and approach was in itself has a beneficial effect. And I'm seeing a little bit of that. I'm suspecting there's a little bit of that in how Jim Rutherford is conducting himself as well. He's trying deliberately uh, to to be different than than the regime that he's replacing. Uh, but I think he legitimately believes in in that. I, I know I've rambled on here for several minutes. Uh, I figure you guys could take a breather. This is why you have me on your show. You can you know go to the bathroom. You can get a burrito, whatever. Um, but don't get the burrito at the bathroom. That's not a good idea. But um, I, I just think that uh, you know he he has thought about this. Jim Rutherford has thought about this a long time. He told me he he'd thought about it when he got to Pittsburgh. But there were a lot of people in place. He trained uh, a lot of general managers in Pittsburgh, and he said maybe they were overstaffed a little bit there. But this is the first time he's had an opportunity where he's come in. There's there's vacancies, there's needs, there's gaps in in the hockey department, and so he actually has a chance to kind of execute this this vision that he's thought about for a long time about getting more diverse opinions. Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 650, the home of the Canucks. David Quadrelli alongside Chris Faber chatting with Ian McIntyre of Sportsnet. Now, Ian, communication. That's a topic that's been talked about a lot, especially over the latter half of the Jim Benning era in Vancouver. Now, Jim Rutherford already has had, I think the counter is up to two or three, maybe four actual press conferences that he's done since he's been hired as president of Hockey Ops. Now, we compare that to last year, and the running joke was that when the Canucks tested positive this year, when Bruce Boudreaux was hired, that they were still going to put out Travis Green to face the media. Uh, that was the running joke that we had going on here, but it was Rutherford. How important but, is that yeah. communication from the organization to the media, but also to the fan base as well? Oh, that's That's been as as important as, as anything. And again, it's part of, I think, a deliberate attempt to improve upon where... Uh, the Benning regime failed towards the end, and that. that but you know that messaging. I, I'm not so sure that it was entirely Jim Benning's fault. I think a lot of that blame has to lie with ownership, because uh, from the time that Trevor Linden left, and that was you know four years ago, which was four and a half years ago. Uh, I think it was four and a half. 2018. Sorry, three and a half years ago. So that's a that's a long chunk of time in within. Uh, the Benning regime, where he basically, the general manager, was left without cover. And and when that manager was set up by Trevor Linden, uh, we know that the idea was that Jim Benning was going to be the hockey guy, the nuts and bolts, the former scout. He's going to do just immerse himself uh, in the business of building a hockey team. And Trevor Linden would serve two purposes as president. Well, it served more than two, but the two one says number one he'd be the face and the voice of the franchise so when good or bad uh somebody needed to address the media on behalf of the hockey club trevor linden would do that but the other part of his job was to manage up and jim rutherford said in his first press conference you know one of the he's going to say what no general manager says well the hardest (laughs) part of the job is managing up and and just with that one statement he kind of shot the elephant in the room which was this idea that maybe he would have a hard time dealing with with Francesco Aquilini, or that Aquilini would would uh, be too involved in the decision making. Well, Rutherford kind of took care of the notion 
on on his first day. But this isn't this is another area that in in the last you know three seasons, and especially when things got bad for the hockey club uh, last year and this year, it just you know there was this void of messaging uh, to to the public, and you know you're you're right, David, that messaging through the media to the fans that was just missing. And and now it's not missing, and you know the organization is much better off because of that. And I think we I think you need to give some credit to the Aquilinis as well for uh, recognizing that mistake in their structure and reinstituting a president of hockey operations and be willing to pay for both of those very senior positions because they're not cheap to have a president or a general manager. So now now the Canucks are going to have both. Which is exciting. <laughs> uh, it is. We don't know. We don't know when they're going to have both <laughs> because the GM search is complicated an awful lot by by COVID and and people's concerns and you know in person interviewing and all those things. But I I think Jim Rutherford is in fact going to hire uh, a GM and there will be those two positions restored. And then uh, maybe we'll see less of Rutherford depending on how adept and comfortable the new GM is in in front of the media but i think the structure the the way the organization is set up is going to be much more uh, healthy and robust with the model that's that rutherford wants to establish rather than what occurred towards the end of the benning regime and finally for me big mac we want to quickly talk about tonight's game with i mean what we saw over the past couple games here was a lot of goals i think it was 33 goals in the three games yesterday are you hammering the over tonight <laughs> well, first of all, I'm thinking Big Mac because that would be good. That'd be good right now too. Um, you're gonna have to tell me what the what the over is tonight. Well, what what's the over under? What's the set at? We've got to check. Chris is gonna check that while I explain uh, the Big Mac. Big Mac. So that was bit like a rhetorical you. question, but you didn't literally want. I think there's gonna be goals tonight because uh, the teams have been off long enough that there'll be mistakes and that yes. these are these are teams with a lot of uh, offensive talent and that was you know that's we're finally seeing from Vancouver what we expected as far as strength when I, mean, I don't think anyone expect them to go 6 and 0 but at the start of the season the the forward group the top part of the forward group is supposed to be the strength of this team and yet you know Besser and and Pedersen just disappeared for a while Anaheim has been more surprising they've been one of the biggest surprises of the league. And when they had a great first month, I know there was questions, okay, can they sustain this? I think they'd even surprised themselves a little bit with how well they've done. And, and now they have sustained it and they're still scoring goals. Mind you, you've got, you know, two of the better goalies in the game and two yeah. of the best goalies from this season playing tonight. So maybe, maybe there won't be as many goals, but I, I would bet, I would bet the over, not knowing what the over is. Cause you didn't provide it to me. Five and a half. I would bet five. Oh yeah. Over. There'll right. be six goals tonight. If they hit over, I'm buying a Big Mac tonight then. Three dollar Big Macs <laughs> on, on game days. We were talking about that right before you got on and a bunch of people, multiple people, we didn't bring it up first, texted in and said IMAC is the Big Mac of Sportsnet. <laughs> so so we, we pledged that we would call you Big Mac in the All interview right. at some well, point. I have been called that before. That's a great and nickname. I like it. It's a delicious sandwich as it well. Is. I, I was trying to sneak it by you, but you caught me. Out. Yeah, you caught it. <laughs> oh, well, as soon as you said Big Mac, like nothing else was registering for like 15 seconds. Uh, I was losing yeah, it in here. For both I had, of us. <laughs> I had my mic muted. I was laughing so hard. 
All right, Ian. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Have fun, guys. It sounds like you are, which is great. Always. Thanks, Ian. See ya. Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet. You'll see him on the broadcast tonight with Dan Murphy, broadcasting from Toronto. I guess a little COVID protocols there, kind of keeping them a little bit more safer than traveling with the team, which is good uh, Good news. So see them on the broadcast, Murph and iMac. So we appreciate him joining the show. I t- hey, listen, I snuck it in. You did great. That was that was as I good as we could have gone. I thought I was gonna like. I thought I could sneak it by a little and bit. Like, that's the. Thing I was is, gonna say Big Mac, but I was like, no, I'm gonna get it in. Like, no, I'm you, gonna you say had Big to Mac. say it. You did, and it was great. And uh, kudos to uh, iMac for playing along. We love talking to iMac. Great guy. A lot great of fun. Guy. Already got texts coming in. iMac now needs to be known as Big Mac. He seemed on board with it. He's, he wasn't. He's Big Mac to us now. Yeah, okay. he's Big Mac to us. On the other side, we're going to hear from Vancouver Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux. We got about eight minutes of audio from him. We'll break that down and then get you guys all set for the People Show coming in right after that. By that time, we're going to know who's hosting the People Show today. We'll get to Hopefully. that in just a minute. So thank you to iMac for joining us there. You're listening to Sportsnet today with Chris Faber and David Quadrelli here on Sportsnet 650. Steady Eddie. I'll tell you what. Coming back with it. He's he's crushing it behind that booth today. With the music comebacks. A little sign down here. Yeah. I, this I, track. I have no clue any of these songs, any of these bands, but I'm digging it. I'll have to get you to go through my iPod one day. And yes, I do have an iPod, kiddo. <laughs> What's and that? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I'll show you what my mix includes. Fantastic. They got to put you in charge of the music at Express Games. Could you, could you handle all that doing... Play-by-play? I don't want to do that. (laughs) That's fair. I enjoy just doing the play-by-play and let other people do the music. And if I played music at games, I would just get tired of hearing my own stuff over and over and over again. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, You know, unbeknownst to Eddie, one night, there was one game where I was running the scoreboard on on the broadcast. Just the broadcast. I had the little laptop. I was, I showed up to a game and the old communications manager there, shout out Jacob, Jacob Lazare, good guy. Showed up and he Absolutely. was like, "Yeah, he's a great guy." He's like, "Hey, can you do this for us?" The person that's volunteering for it didn't show up, so I was just in the stands, Teddy Bear Toss Night in like 2019, I think it was, running the scoreboard. First time, I, I know I screwed up a few times, and he's like, "Yeah, get this right because this is Eddie's broadcast." I was like, "Okay, Throw I got straight to the wolves." I got I got to zero in here. I got it after like the first or second period. I'm willing to tolerate and understand the way the system works. That if the clock isn't 100% accurate, I understand it's done by the person working on the computer, so I'm willing to accept it for what it is. That's I know really it's not a perfect system, but... Yeah, that's really good to hear, because that definitely happened like yes. more than once. I looked up, I'm like, what? When did that happen? When did the clock get down to that? So, it happened a few times. A little express update. Get a, few of those, a few of those as the show goes on. Yeah, putting but, our dues uh, in. That's, yeah. that's what matters. Sportsnet today, Chris Faber here, David Quadrelli co-hosting, Eddie Gregory, behind the board there as well. With the rejoiner music. Not my club mix that I normally throw around here, but uh, has been bringing some energy to the show, that's for sure. Uh, we're going to hear from Bruce Boudreau here uh, and kind of break things down on the other side. We heard from the coach for about eight minutes today in the pregame. We're going to play that now. On the other side, we'll check in and kind of break down what we heard from Bruce Boudreau. So this is Bruce Boudreau's audio from earlier today. It, when you're winning, it's a lot more fun. So, I mean, that's... Uh, that just comes with the territory. So, I mean, I think that uh, when you're losing, you know, whether you, whether the practices are great or or what have you, you don't want to come to the rink because you just, you know, it's a, a negative, negative vibe. But, I mean, I've been really pleasantly surprised at how the guys um, almost to a man are staying out longer, coming on earlier, 
look like they're having fun and at the same time working really hard. Um, I, I don't know the, the full reason of it. I wish I could give you, give you it as I hope it's because they're winning and, and enjoying coming to the rink these days. When you walked through the room for the first time though, Bruce, what was it like inside there? Because when, when, when we saw up there going through, there was a lot of long faces. Well, like the guys who were enjoying being at the rink, what were they like when you first saw them? Well, you know what, I don't, I really can't answer that because I never knew any of the players. So I don't know if this was normal or not normal or what have you. I mean, uh, and when they meet a new coach, any, and I've gone through that a few times, I mean, everybody's sort of like just on their best behavior. They're quiet. They don't say much. And uh, so, I mean, it's hard to read right off the bat. Uh Right, what's going on? They're sitting there looking at you and going, "Okay, what do we got here? What's going on here?" So I mean, it's a, uh, it, it was a, it was a tough call, and I I didn't put any stock into when I first met them because I didn't know them as well. So I didn't know if this was normal, abnormal, if this was sad or good. And I, you know, you have to be around them for a few few days to see what they're really like. We'll move to Ben Kuzma post Good afternoon, Bruce. Uh, a couple game-related uh, questions uh, for me. Uh, the Ducks don't have Zebra tonight, but they do have a good crop of young, speedy forwards. Uh, they beat the Canucks twice here, uh, especially in Hanover League the last time. When you look at film, Bruce, uh, what do you see in the, in the Ducks? What do you have to guard against tonight? Well, I mean, they do have a lot of good, skilled young players, plus they've got a lot of good veterans that I... I remember coaching when I was here still. I mean, their defense is really strong. Their goaltending is extremely strong. And their forwards have now got a little bit of confidence uh, playing. Getzlaff's playing like he did five years ago, I mean, right now. I mean, uh, Adam Henrique's not playing tonight, supposedly. He was day-to-day. -day. I don't know if he's been classified as out yet. But he's playing so much better than he than he's been. And, and again, I think this comes with winning and everybody being happy and, and the, the good players, you know, step to the front when you, and, um, but I mean, the guys like Troy Terry and that were supposed to be really good for years are now finally found their way. I mean, uh, you can look at, at him and there's, there's a couple other guys, uh, um, having a hard time remembering their names right now, but I, I know are having really good years and, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's their time. I mean, they they were expected to be this good a couple of years ago, but now they finally come out and you watch tape of them and they play a really good system and they believe in themselves. And and I think their special teams is, is you know, fourth in both the offense and defense, which, you know, last year I think was near the bottom in both. So, I mean, that's that's a huge difference. Follow-up question. Uh, you know, you had 12 days off here, uh, Bruce. Obviously, there is a sense of urgency with where you are in the standings, where you hope to be at the end of the regular season. But as a coach, how, how, do, you, how do you prepare when a team's had, you know, 12 days between games? I mean, what is your biggest concern tonight? Uh, JT talked about it yesterday that you guys can't be just dipping your toe in the water tonight and expecting things to just pick up where they left off. Um, your biggest concerns are what? Well, I, I think the biggest concerns are are quite frankly <laughs> dipping your toe in the water and you know we've practiced hard and uh, we try to do situational stuff all the time um, to make it game-like situations so I mean we know that I mean it's it's different than um, 
than just a skills practice. And but it's it's like the start of the season again, and there's going to be mistakes to be made. And and we know if you have a week off in the regular season or five days off, I mean, you would classify that as rusty. So I mean, uh, uh, you know, when passes aren't as sharp as you'd like them to be. So I mean, our game tonight has got to be simplified. Uh, as simple as you can get it, you know, get it, get it deep, shoot the puck and play great defense, great defense. You can play all the time uh, with or without the puck. So, I mean, that's going to be the, the, the game plan for us, quite frankly. Patrick Johnson, Post Media. First been uh, five years since you coached in Anaheim, but you listing off the players that you remember there and young guys that you knew about. I mean, obviously still some good memories about the place. Oh yeah, I mean, we won four division championships and and came within one game of going to the Stanley Cup. So the memories are great here uh for the most part. Um, you know, coached a lot of really good young players that are now getting a little older, but uh and they're still here, so it's uh you know, it's always nice to see them. Obviously, r- right now you don't talk to them or or anything uh with the COVID situation. So, uh but uh, you can see when you're watching the tape that they've sort of rekindled their interest in the game uh, from the last few years and the good players like the Camp Fowlers and the Hampus Lindholms and uh, you know these guys are, are playing a lot better uh, hockey than they did say this time last year. When you look at the team that you you know the teams you had so much success with and then also I suppose the sort of path that that, that the Ducks have taken in their rebuild you know, what are their lessons there that you can take in those kind of two points to instruct what you guys in the Canucks are trying to do now? Well, I mean, uh, it's a, I, I, I don't know. We <laughs> listen. Uh, uh, it's a tough question, quite frankly. It, it's I don't worry about what the Ducks have been doing or what they've been doing. We're on our own path, and uh, our own path might take us a little different direction, a uh, little different style than what the the Ducks path was. Uh, uh, but there's obviously some similarities. They've got some good young talent. We've had, you know, some great young talent in the Pedersons, Hughes and Besser type thing. So, but uh, uh, I think both teams are on the upswing. I think the the Ducks are going to be a good good team for a, you know quite a few years right now they still got their goaltending is still young their defense is is definitely young um and uh, uh so they're they're going to be good and i think we're going to be good so it's it should be an interesting pacific division battle between these guys for the next few years jeff patterson north page agency hey bruce i'm going to knock on wood here because i don't want to jinx you but in your last three games uh, you only had to kill off one penalty, and I think in your time as coach, it's only been a dozen now. Have you stressed discipline with this group, or have they done a really good job of staying out of the penalty box? Oh, it's one thing we. That was Bruce Boudreau uh, speaking with media there. A couple takeaways, obviously, of course. You know, it's nice for Boudreau to return to Anaheim to get back into game action. Uh, with the former team that he used to coach as well. Some really good success there. Strong teams there yeah. in uh, Anaheim. Yeah, exactly. Again, like he said, though, not worried about the Ducks. I just love that Bruce Boudreaux like, gives us his game plan like 10 hours before puck drop. It's great. Yeah, I think that's probably all they want to really do is keep it simple, right? Like that's that's all you can do after having 12 days with no games. And 
if you're just tuning in right now, the news of the day for the Vancouver Canucks, I think well, the big news is they're playing a game, right? Like that's the biggest news, I think, the return to action. And the news that we're seeing, it's not really a shocker because it's all around the sports world. Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe have entered the NHL's COVID protocol, which is unfortunate. Give me some Italian fingers there, quads. That's what I'm doing. I can't believe it. Paisan in COVID protocol. It's insane. Also, the other big news of the I day. I was about to say something, but I was like, this might be a swear word. The things yeah, maybe, that you say maybe in just, Italian? Yeah, don't. Okay, I'll, yeah. I won't say some of those Keep things. Keep that off, say. yeah. Uh, but the other thing that we do need to mention, World Junior Championships canceled, right? Like, that's the other big news of the day. We've had people texting in all throughout the day saying, talk about the World Juniors cancellation, as if we haven't brought it up 13 times already. But yeah, I get it. I people are just getting in their car sometimes and just starting to listen. you got 15 minutes left to listen to us. You know who's coming up next? Satin Ran Deep. There you go. So uh, People Show is going to be following up here. They're going to preview all the way up to Puck Drop at 7.30. And, man, that's that's exciting. Like, honestly, it is. It's exciting to, you know, as much as the tough news that we've dealt with today with the World Juniors and seeing the COVID come down, seeing the COVID protocol come down on Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe, there is a Canucks game tonight, Quads. Like, that's that's giving me some excitement about the night of sports looking ahead because that's something that we haven't had for – Almost two weeks here, right? Since December sixteenth, since right? December sixteenth, and it's it's felt longer, you know, like because it, it's what a strange like month the Canucks have gone through. Obviously, like bringing in Boudreaux, bringing in Rutherford, going on a six game win streak, being shut down. It's like every, it, it, if you talk about peaks and valleys of a Canucks season, like Canucks fans know this. It's like it is always an up and down year. It feels like for the Vancouver Canucks this past like month here, this is like you're firing up Mount Everest and. Firing to the bottom of Helm's Deep. Is that the deep thing? Mariana's Trench? Yes, that's, that's deep. That's the one. That's deep. Great we're going, band. We're going up Everest. We're going down Mariana's Trench. Yeah. We're coming out with a Canucks game tonight at 730. Exactly. Great, great band. But the other thing that I want to mention is, like, to your point of feels like longer, Jim Benning was fired and Travis Green and the other guys were let go less than a month ago. Like, it was less that's than 30 so days that those guys were is, all let like, go. Anybody out there feel like that's... Yeah, like, I don't think there's anybody that's like, no, no, that checks out. In December. In December. December 4th, I believe. Oh, was the day. I'm just throwing that off the top of my head. Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds right. That's wild, man. I do know. Obviously, we've dealt with, like, we've had, like, a holidays. We've had Boudreaux come in. We've had Rutherford come in. We've had Jim Benning get fired. We've seen Travis Green get fired. All in this month only. This month's not even over yet. Three Bruce Boudreaux cameos. We've seen the Bruce There It Is chance start. We saw Canucks Army make shirts about it. We saw the Canucks Army drop a beer, too. Nation beer. Yeah, it's true. We got our beer. There's a lot going on right now in just this whole month that just happened. And here's the thing is, we're talking about Eddie December. Eddie Gregory, hired by Sportsnet 650. Yes, big hire, big free agent signing. All part of the big December 2021. Big exactly, December. Exactly. Big, but big December. the thing I want to kind of preview here is January schedule. It's tough. Like, the Canucks have some games against the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are red hot. It is going to be a tough month tough month of January for the Vancouver Canucks and I think people kind of were talking about it before but I don't think since the shutdown that it's been talked about quite as much like yes they need to finish December strong and obviously 10 and 0 is better than 6 and 0 but they do need to have a big month of January as well because that's the month where it could really come all crashing down because right now everybody's riding hot everybody's saying well if they stay on this pace they're going to win the president's trophy they're never going to lose a game again it doesn't feel like they might never ever lose a game again so you know that feeling might go away in January is all I'm saying. Yeah, everything's been pretty good right now. And I'm, I feel like such an idiot. 
Helm's Deep is like where the Battle of the Lord of the Rings takes place. It's not the deep. It's not the deepest part of an ocean. I I corrected myself with Mariana's Trench, Helm's but I was so bad. With is Helm's the site deep. of a massive battle in a fictional storybook favor? Someone texted in unsigned text. That's a great text into the six fifty six fifty Dunbar Lumber text line. Text us. We got like. What, 10, 12 minutes left in the show? Not even. Just send us your texts, folks. We want to read your texts. And also, Ian and Dunbar pointing out, John Madden passed away. That's some sad news. That's true, too, man. I know we had that happen yesterday on the show, or we talked about it a little bit yesterday on the show, and I thought, like, I thought about it. It's, like, what What do you remember John Madden by? And, Eddie, we'll bring you in for this because uh, you're a little bit older than definitely quads. Uh, but uh, what do you, we'll start with you, Eddie. Like, what do you remember most about John Madden? Is it the video game? Is it the... I think it's a little – you I weren't think, around when he was coaching. No, but. no, I wasn't around when he was coaching. I'm not that old. <laughs> I wasn't born yet in the 70s. But I think it mainly is the video game because even though I'm old enough to remember, you know, the prime of his broadcasting career and it carried well into the late 2000s, but I remember when the Madden video game franchise really started in the 90s. I didn't play a lot of Madden video games, but – I just remember the wave really started to get going when I was a kid growing up, and obviously it carried into the monster that it is, and it's still just as strong as ever. I mean, you just say Madden, and you know exactly what we're talking about. Right? Yeah. Like, that's the power of what John Madden did. And ultimately, he was such a great football influencer. That's what really stands out to me. I mean, he left his mark in the coaching game. He had... You know, the best winning percentage of any coach during his time with the Raiders in the 70s. He did win the one Super Bowl, transitioned smoothly to become the best color commentator in the history of football, all the while leaving his mark on a younger generation with the football game, the video game version of it, right? Ultimate football influencer. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think you, I think you nailed it with that. Like, it's, you know, I think we're, we're so blessed here in the Vancouver market having such a, a fun color commentary like, John Garrett, who just brings so much fun to every game. You look at yeah. what Madden did. Like, I, the way that I look at it was, like, when I first started watching football, probably seven, eight years old would have been, yeah, like 99, 2000. The voice that I just, you know, matched with football and a football broadcast was Madden. It was, you know, yes. it was boom or whatever, you know. And yeah, just exactly. Working just the on way the he said things, right? And boom, just like you said, is a perfect <laughs> example of it, right? And, and he truly understood the role of color commentary. He yes. could break down football in the X's and O's like nobody else, but he could also find a way to bring color to it and make it entertaining. And that's the thing. You have to find a way to make football entertaining for people, to draw in people who aren't the hardcore football fans who maybe watch two or three games a year, and they'll get sucked in because something that John Madden said to be entertaining, whether it be talking about you know turkeys on the Thanksgiving game, right? You know He made that entertaining, and that's what draws in the – fringe football fans right? we, we see this happen a lot when when someone you know of this magnitude or even people of smaller magnitudes pass and you see all the videos that come out of them highlights of them like i saw one yesterday of of john madden doing the breakdown of troy aikman not being able to grow a good beard because his hair was too and was that's too exactly blonde, the right? point little things right? like yeah, that yeah yeah and setting up uh, the mom and dad of the the water coolers the gatorade bottles like it, it, incredible stuff but quads for you like someone born i guess you wouldn't be watching john madden on the broadcast, so everything for you would be the video game, I assume. That's what you knew John Madden as? Yeah, and I, I know about the fear of flying as well. That's just the first thing that comes to mind. 
when I think of John Madden. And also that's something that my dad recently told me. So I was worried about putting that on air because it kind of gives me shades of the Super Dave Osborne uh, interview that happened at Team 1040 back in the day. So I was a little bit scared. Oh, yes. The infamous Super Dave. Yes. We're, we're, uh, I can't remember who the host was, but he got all the advice and all of the all of the pointers and all of his questions that he was going to ask should, Super I Dave. should should know this and I can see the individual. It's I'm bothering me. Blank. It's on the tip of my tongue. We'll find it. Somebody will text it, I'm sure. But yeah, taking advice from my dad live on air, that's uh, yeah, that's that's a risky business, as we know. Uh, we've had a few texts about uh, Jeff Merrick today. Jeff Merrick's taking the week off. Uh, but we do appreciate the kind words for us uh, that we're doing an okay job today. Some of the, some of the kind words. <laughs> some of the kind words. No, I mean, and yeah, Jeff Merrick's got the week off. Uh, this is like the one week he gets off. Guy works a lot and, uh, and has... A lot of good things, I think, on his show. So appreciate the text asking uh, where Merrick is at. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sorry to get back to Madden a little bit. Like I remember, so I I broke my ankle um, just before I was about to leave on the baseball scholarship that I had, and I was in bed. It was my whole leg basically all snapped. So I had to. I was in a full leg cast for like six weeks straight, and man, I played so much Madden, and that's like literally, I was playing about like twelve hours a day. Of just straight Madden every single day. So, yeah, definitely left an impact on me in the video game world as well. But I just, I, when I think of football broadcasts, I think of John Madden just because of how fun it was. And even as a, as a top end color commentator, you have to look at John Madden for sure. I finally remembered who did that interview. I should have okay. known this. <laughs> Thank you. Eddie. But it was Daryl Weiner, of course. And I looked it up online, and as soon as I heard the voice, it hit home. Because he was such a unique, entertaining character. Someone texted it and said Daryl Wiener, but I was just, I was scared to read that nope. on there too. Uh, on. They were you. I was like, are they, are they trying to play a trick on me? No, you're not getting Dollywald on that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, I've been I've been people have been sending in last names on their t- on their text, and we appreciate it. But I will never read your last name on air. I'm yeah. not I'm not doing nope. it. You if you're gonna try and get me, do it with a city. Like do it with your name in a city. <laughs> That's the only way you're gonna get me. Okay, I'm not doing last names. I'm not falling for it because I'm too bad. I have I struggle with my own name sometimes. Same when we're coming out of or heading into break, going out of break, all that stuff. Struggle with that anyway. So I'm not reading your last name. You coming on the 650 Dunbar inbox, but uh, that basically wraps it up for us here. Quads appreciate uh, our guest joining us today. It was a good conversation to have with Alexa. Some really interesting things. If you guys want, if you didn't, if you missed that, listen back on the podcast uh, talking about some of the SHL prospects for the Canucks. Found it really interesting what she had to say about Linus Carlson. Um, so that was that was a good chat there, as well as our other chats with Earth and uh, and Big Mac. Ian McIntyre joining us uh, on the show as well. All good stuff. And tomorrow, very excited for a conversation that we're going to have with who I believe is the Vancouver Canucks' top prospect, Aiden McDonough of Northeastern University, the big winger. He's going to join us tomorrow at 2.30, uh, and we're going to be back from 12 to 3. Eddie Gregory, a day after your birthday, thank you for producing. Great job as Appreciate usual. the producer shout-out. <laughs> Especially yesterday on your birthday, you missed it out. The people show, they better apologize for that. No shout out to uh, to Eddie Gregory. They're yesterday. hazing the new guy by on not his mentioning birthday. his birthday, which Jeez. I didn't know either. Yeah, that's that's quite the hazing technique on Eddie. But I brought uh, him lemon squares. I did my part. Good stuff for my co-host David Quadrelli, our producer Eddie Gregory. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you so much for tuning in to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 650.